fell in love with her. And, and it, like she lost her eye in a blowjob accident. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like a whole thing. Dude, save that one. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, uh, Keith, tell me when we're go. Uh, this is Candace Stewart, and we're here with another episode of my podcast, Trade Secrets. Today, I've got Will Onspock, who I love, who's a talented engineer, producer, musician, songwriter, collaborator, bomb bon vivant, <laughs> man about town. And possibly he and I both missed our calling as being stand-up comics, but that's another story for another time. I've got a really I great... I, yeah, I got a real great bit about... No, actually, I'm not going to. It's okay, too far. We have it's to, too far. We have to, okay, we're going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I do, which mm. is... It's unscripted, okay. but I'm going to... Uh, you know, I always make this reference. It's like the actor's studio. So I start at the beginning, or none of us actually remember. Where were you born? I was born in Pennsylvania, um, in Lancaster General Hospital in Pennsylvania, which if you don't know, is essentially like nestled in Amish country in, in Pennsylvania. It's a, it's <laughs> nice. A, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it's right outside of Philadelphia. I, I lived there um, in Reading, Pennsylvania, which is um, like a, a small city, maybe half a million people or something like gotcha. that in, in Pennsylvania. And um, uh, I lived there until I was 10 and my parents got divorced. And they wanted to be as far apart as they could. <laughs> so they went to opposite ends of the states. I moved out towards Pittsburgh and I lived out near but Pittsburgh. They, but they stayed in Pennsylvania. Yes, they stayed in Pennsylvania. Because, okay. uh, I mean, my mom couldn't leave Pennsylvania because, I don't know, I'm sure. Well, Was, she, there, was she, there custody fights going on? No, uh, actually, very. <laughs> did, no, did no one want you? Did very they both humorously. Want you? <laughs> uh, so my mom basically kidnapped us, which is like really mm. funny to me now. Wait, as how an many adult. siblings? How many siblings? I have. Um, I have two sisters and a brother, oh, wow, and okay. then I have a stepsister from my dad's remarriage the, to the, his the, second the, wife. So the stepsister wasn't around yet? Not yet. Yeah, okay. it was just the four of us. Was it like an Amber Alert situation? Well, so my mom basically, <laughs> my, my we would go to this summer camp every summer that was just like a week long or something okay. like that. And it was like a real, you know, ghetto summer camp, <laughs> you know, it was like pretty, pretty shitty. I went every but summer to my mom, uh My mom told us before we left, she cause she was like, if you if I send a message to you uh, at camp that wrestling camp looks really because I wrestled as a kid and it was like a big deal for me. Oh, wow. She said, if wrestling camp looks really good this year, then whenever you get back, be ready to go. And I was like, oh, that's ominous. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's super <laughs> ominous. And so um, and so we get this mess. I get this message while we're out. It was me and my brother uh, at this camp and um, we come back and my mom picked us up from where they like dropped off the bus of the camp kids or whatever all four of you uh no just me and my brother okay <laughs> hilariously she did not want my one sister for some reason <laughs> but she um she she grabbed us and she threw us in the car and we spent the summer living in like a camper basically oh wow like a like a like a, a very small you know there's like like eight foot long tow behind a car type yeah. campers we spent the summer living but not in an that. airstream not a high-end no no it was not nice <laughs> at all it was easily then it was easily 25 years old which probably put it oh, in wow. like the 60s or 70s that it was built wow. so it was pretty old and um <laughs> and um we spent the summer living in that and then she moved to the other side of the state and took us with her and uh, this is like my mom always like romanticizes this whole time period. Like we did all this stuff. Remember we yeah, we, we went we camped we, yeah. and like so, you know and it was yeah. like no bitch you you dragged us to yeah, the wilderness, us into the the wilderness. And, yeah we slept <laughs> we lived in like when we first moved out to Western Pennsylvania we um we didn't have anywhere to go 
And my mom's like a con artist. That's like her thing. She's like very, very. Smooth. Yeah. She's, like well, she's like, it's not smooth so much as like, you're almost like, well, I'm just going to go along with this because this lady's so batshit crazy that oh, yeah. I just can't even like deal with it. <laughs> so, um, so she had us like living with like people that she would just randomly meet places wow. and people uh, that were kind enough to like yeah like church people usually is All what it right. was my mom's big in the church you know which is like hilarious to me also because she's done some horrible things <laughs> and then been like i i prayed to god like he forgave me god forgave me why can't you you know oh, like wow. oh sky daddy forgave you You're like right, thank right. god you know <laughs> Uh, I love that sky. So, so she, um, she, we lived on the like we lived in a tent. We lived on the street really for like a little Aww. while and stuff. And then she bought a, um, she bought a double wide. And we moved into a trailer park. God bless her. You and David Davis have more in common than you oh, realize. Oh man, no, I know, I know. I love David. We we have a lot in common. We're very similar individuals. So, yeah. so you're like. You're like 10 after the summer of adventure. Yes. That your mom would call it the yes. summer of yeah. experiences, and uh, and you were wrestling. And uh, you can't see him, ladies, but he's, he's good looking. Ish. And uh, so you're you're a scrappy little ten year old. You skinny? Were you skinny little kid? Yeah, very skinny. Lived yeah. in it. I mean, you you could not have gotten a more stereotypical white trash kid at this point. <laughs> you know, like I I don't remember owning a t shirt, so I probably never had one on. Right, you know, just right, like right, right, running, running around. around the trailer park all summer long, <laughs> at ten years old, smoking cigarettes <laughs> and shit. You know, skinny oh as hell, getting into fights all the time. Yeah, just, I was a I was a tough kid. I you know I I, I think about this all the time because now I have a daughter who's thirteen about to be um 14 and um and she you know she she wouldn't even try like a sip of beer or anything if i offered her oh, you know you like she's such right a now. good kid and i'm like i was literally smoking weed at like 11 years old before i went to school Dude, like, like 11 we were yeah. like huffing hairspray yeah oh yeah oh yeah there was <laughs> we like no shortage of crazy yeah, shit yeah. i was ready to try at oh, like yeah. no, 10 we or 11 bad. years we old bad. so yeah i was very stereotypically uh, where do you fall in the family are you the oldest or i'm most? the youngest of the original oh. and then my my stepsister is uh like four years or five so years brother Boy, oldest boy. no 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 sister uh, oldest sister then next sister and then brother and then me my oh, wow. my oldest sister so she was 16 when my parents divorced she's six oh, years wow. older than me she was 16 and uh and my parents were fully invested in her our entire lives like they they did not care i, I was you know normally it's like the youngest is like right. the you know uh, this is a very true story, and people will doubt this, but this is very true. I think my, my parents, parents championed us equally. My parents, uh, my dad had a vasectomy yeah. after my brother was born. And then you still came. And my mom had her tubes tied. Uh oh. And I was they still. They found you. And on I the was street. still born. <laughs> you know, and, no, he and wasn't still born. Not still born. He was I was. Also, also born. Yes, also, <laughs> I was born regardless of yeah, this. Yeah. And you know, um, you're not the first person that's told me that about a vasectomy. But the tubes tied and the vasectomy. Yeah, they doubled double down. Yeah, they doubled down. So my dad used to tell me all the time when I was growing Fair up, like, you know, you, you know, we didn't want you. <laughs> but my oldest sister, Teresa, she is, she's a veterinarian. She's, she oh. went to Iowa State University. She got a she's like a normal adult. <laughs> She is very intelligent. She's oh. she does very well. Her her husband's a a lobbyist for the pork industry and okay. like and he's like well connected in in the politics and everything. So so my sister 
that and like growing up we had animals we raised sheep and cows and stuff like that and cool. because my sister wanted to oh nice so everybody H, else by H, yes yeah. by default we were all part of that and so farmers from a yeah from a very young age i was always like raising animals and part and like and like you know showing animals in fairs and in spite stuff of like his that. willingness to try things he did not try bestiality i just yeah. want to establish that <laughs> maybe i don't know what are we saying here <laughs> what is it no i didn't what is that really that <laughs> it looks like this girl i knew yeah anyway <laughs> they say sheep are the most anatomically similar um so <laughs> i can't believe we've already gotten to bestiality yeah, we're we like go. six minutes into this podcast this is great well we're, we're gonna we're gonna switch back now so so you're at elementary school you're wrestling did you have any interest in music did you play an instrument i exposure um, I, was there a teacher was there a good teacher no, no. that helped? Um, no. So actually, so um, <laughs> this is a, a later full circle thing for me. But um, uh, I I started playing. Uh, my mom made me play violin when I was like in first grade. Because that's easy. Yeah, 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 and I hated it. You know, <laughs> so and I was my brother like, I don't, I don't, started violin. I, I didn't. You know, like I never really got any level of accomplishment. But I played it for a few years it's or whatever. It's fucking it's hard. Like, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard instrument. And then, um, but I always told them I wanted to play guitar. And I remember. Uh, I remember being very little and like writing songs in my little notebook and stuff where it was like I hate the trailer. No, it would do it was it was actually it was very funny because I always joked about how I wrote baby before Justin Bieber because like I had this one song that was literally just a page full of babies, you know, I was like <laughs> baby, 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 you know, like eight years old or whatever. Um but oh um, eventually, when I was uh, right after that, right, right after my parents, I, 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 um, it just I dawned on me you could have done your own pet sounds with the, you could have <laughs> yeah. recorded the animals. Yeah, yeah, they could have done the animals. <laughs> um, my, uh, I, I, I mowed lawns and saved money and everything, yeah. and I eventually bought myself a classical acoustic guitar. And my mom, uh, w was in church. Uh, she sang in like the choir in church, which was basically just like the church we went to for this time period. My mom, we li we lived near a university, and it was like a college. It was more like a community center where they had like church at right. and stuff, but it was a Roman Catholic thing. It's and also everything. how you get a really nice meal on Sunday. Yes, it is. It is exactly how you get a good meal. <laughs> that's, and that's how we ate a lot yeah. of times was the church and everything. So I'm um, from South Carolina. We have my, good Sunday meal. My mom, uh, one of the, the, the lady who played guitar in, in the church. Was there was a, a guitar player in the yeah, church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She played guitar and oh, wow. um, just an acoustic, you know, okay. and it was like, you know, Roman Catholic church singing is like the worst, oh, but it's I'm like. I'm Episcopalian. Oh, it's, dude, it's so bad. Roman Catholic church singing is just like sing oh. to the mountains sing to it's so fucking dumb anyway uh so this woman her name was uh annie leibowitz and Ann defricia or some shit like annie that franco and um and she oh annie despirito was her name annie despirito How perfect to be in a church choir named annie despirito. Yeah, she was the sister of jim despirito rusted root do you remember oh, rusted wow. root who Jim Scott produced. Oh yeah. And yeah. so whenever I actually worked with Jim Scott, I was like, wow, this is cool. Like I've kind of full circled here. And like was the Rusty first Root person or was who... it the Russ Landers who are from Western Pennsylvania? I think Russ Landers, but Russ Root I think is from Western Pennsylvania okay, too. Cool. Actually, I don't know where Russ Landers are from. But Russ yeah. Landers are from Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, so uh, Rusted Root is definitely from Western Pennsylvania because Jim Despirito who played uh, the percussion I think was, uh, was there. And anyway, so his sister gave me a couple guitar lessons. Oh, nice. You know, just like very basic intro, like this is how you strum a guitar this is how you hold it type stuff and I started playing guitar and I was probably about 11 years old oh nice and I did that for most of high school then but uh my parents because they were not supportive like my parents 
uh, my dad had this friend uh, who who was um, a piano player and he was very good and uh, he would play shows, but he was like regionally good, you know, right. like he was good for growing up in Pennsylvania type stuff. And, and yeah. I think he played like cruise ships or something. Oh, nice. And my dad used to always tell me when I was growing up and I'd be like, I want to be a musician. I want to be, and he'd be like, you want to end up like John, John's playing on cruise ships and blah, blah, blah. That sounds and fucking like, awesome. I know. And, <laughs> In retrospect, at the time, you know, it was like this was like the world of like go to college and get a good job and you can yeah. get a you can be a company man and all that shit. Right. And um, and I was like, I don't I don't really want to do that. Like, but I understand like it was like in my brain. I was like, yeah, well, I don't you well, know, they, well, I want to be have, famous. I don't want to play the, cruise the famous, ships, you know, the famous speech with with my parents was you need something you, you need stability. And then there was the concept of you need something to fall back on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was never it was always you had to have the dual plan. Yeah, which right. I actually I've I discussed this on uh on my TikTok a lot and, and on the internet, but I believe um you know like I'm I'm a one parachute guy, you know, yeah. like Yeah, there's no I fallback plan. Yeah, th that's your first escape yeah. for failure, you yeah. know? It's like if you have no other option, then you figure you're it out. going to win. Yeah, you, you have figure it out. To. You have no choice. I agree. I think incentive comes from struggle. Will and I were talking earlier off uh, off tape about would we be, have been the same people if our parents had been really rich, and probably not. But it would have been nice. Yeah, to it would have been nice. I w it would have been easier and probably more fun. We would have been fatter. I, yeah, I definitely. I, I I joke about this all the time, but growing up, I remember, especially once my parents divorced, like I remember like coming home and my mom just being like, "Okay, well, if you're hungry, there's peanut butter." And it's like, yeah. the fuck do you mean there's peanut yeah. butter? Like, that's yeah. not a meal. Yeah. That's a thing you used as part of a meal sometimes, but like <laughs> only when you're like seven and you're having a PB&J. Did, did you ever make the stack tower of saltines and peanut butter crackers? Like my brother, it was like Jenga. We tried to see how <laughs> tall we could get the tower. Um we definitely so, ate a lot of peanut butter and saltines. That was like the one thing. If you came to my house, yeah. there was always there was peanut butter, there was saltines, there yeah. might have been some stale white bread usually, oh, yeah. and then uh, grape jelly. Uh, and no, never any jelly. My house is luxury a peanut butter, no jelly kind of house. Oh, wow. Like we, did, but there was always some sort of powdered milk. You oh, know? dude, the like, dry milk. I had my that. Mom used to always. Dude, I think David Davis like... and I talked about dry milk too. <laughs> we talked about it the other day, and my mom was like. It's so much healthier for you, and I'm like, I, it tastes like ass. Yeah, it tastes. It smells really bad oh, it too. It smells bad. Smells, but uh, what we is got it? it. You know what I mean? What is it really? It's gross. <laughs> is what it is really. I think we it's got chalk. it. I know we got it because my mom. There, Carnation there was like ground a, up chalk and sold it as milk. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a, um, you know, there was like a community food pantry type situation, yeah, and my bank. mom would go to the food bank and yeah. like they always gave her powdered milk, and that's why we always had. But I do think, like, I remember she would come home sometimes with like a crate of food and we'd be so grateful but it was also like everything was like like you know just like government labels and oh, stuff dude. like spam. milk the you know? <laughs> so spam so one time i added powdered milk to milk and it was really good right i doubled the like milk efforts it tasted like half and half okay so now we're in we're in elementary school we're playing the guitar we're figuring it out we've probably also same area in high school 
Yeah. Uh, so I moved, my, my mom moved a lot around, you know, so like I would, um, the different churches. Yeah. Well, it was like, basically, um, you know, I, I, you know, this story, but when I was like, I think 12, maybe my mom burnt down our house for oh, like right. insurance money. And right. so we By had way, to like, we need to, we need to, we need to delve into this just a little bit. So, yeah. so when she burns the house down, you're not in it. No, um, <laughs> I'd gone to school. Uh, it, it was. And Were there it was, any of the animals? No, no, because we. It was a trailer, you okay, know. No it was animals. like there was no animals. It was just. Um, I, I, I want to say we had we had a dog, but I think it was like outside gotcha. kind of dog or Junkyard whatever. Dog. So, um, but um, no, I we I went to school that day and. Um, when I was, the end of the day came and I got called to the office, which wasn't abnormal for me. I got <laughs> called to the office a lot. Uh, and, um, I got called to the office, but for some reason I just felt like as soon as they called it, I was like, why do I feel like something's wrong? Like my house burnt down. I like literally thought, Psych. I bet I feel like my house burnt Psych. down. And, um, and we get back to, I get to the office and everything. And there's a, like the, the table's levitating right now. You can't and, see it, but he's very psychic. <laughs> Uh, we we get to the um, the office or whatever, and the guidance counselor is like, "Look, we have some bad news. You know, your your house was in a fire, and you know, and your mom's here to pick you up. And don't worry about a thing. Everything's gonna be taken care of. But like, you know, your your house is is burned down." And I was like, "What the shit?" Uh, and guitar was your guitar in there? Uh, yeah. Uh, so basically, um, what had happened is the kitchen caught on fire, and what they say what. Uh, so I, I don't know the whole story because obviously I was a but kid. But in the trailer, is there like a propane tank? Are you connected to like a propane it tank? It was gas, um, yeah. which is how the fire started. Apparently there was maybe a box of cardboard uh, left on the uh, stove. stove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With matches? And But somebody had come along. Like there was like a trailer park like supervisor, like Jim Leahy, trailer park boys oh, type nice. shit. And he showed up and with a garden hose put the fire out. You know? So now the trailer's just fucked, but not total. It's not totally fucked. The kitchen is fucked, right? Oh, and yeah. uh, and there's a big hole in the side of the kitchen okay. where it's been burned out the side. Okay. All right. And um and at first the insurance company does what an insurance company does, like here, let's get you into a place, like you know, we'll get you kids some clothes. Like the community it was like the church thing again. Like the church yeah, came and donated a bunch of clothes to our stuff on and a, everything. On a side note, seriously, God yeah, bless. I'm not big for religion but when it does the right things it's yeah. like wow you know God bless. but so yeah so um so we we and we lived in this like they put us up in some like shitty trailer that was like out in the woods somewhere Ooh. for a little while it was a very strange situation by a like quarry. an m night Shyamalan it, it was a very movie. strange time in my life <laughs> how but, do you say um, that m night shamalian shamalama ding dong <laughs> sorry uh, i digress so he um so we we stayed in this little trailer for a while but then uh uh the insurance company finally decided that they felt it was arson oh. and they cut all the money oh, and we're like no you're not getting shit so you lived in the trailer with the hole so we moved back into the burned trailer and we lived in this burned down would you trailer. use like a camp stove uh yeah well like we had um i think we got another stove eventually like we only we didn't stay there for much longer after that because it was like the beginning of the end yeah it was like six or i mean it was probably like six months we lived there still wow. after that you know we moved back in and um put a big piece of plywood over the hole in the wall and it was like the winter time too yeah, I was so gonna it was say like it'd be cold i was and, just thinking that. and it was like a trailer uh but it had like the you know you know like you know those like shitty like like prefabricated like fireplace type situations yeah. in a trailer. It was like yeah. not meant for having a fire in at all, yeah. but like so we but that's how we heated the house in the wintertime. Yeah. And carbon monoxide because poisoning. of all the smoke damage <laughs> yeah. in the house, they had 
stripped all the like all the um no they stripped all the um uh uh uh, drywall out of the house and so like my bedroom just had sheets up between the walls and stuff like that yeah there was no jerking off in my household when i was a kid uh so um so yeah so we lived in that and and like for six months i was like the kid who smelled like smoke all the time Aww. like i would just go to school and i just smelled like smoke every day smoky and, will yeah did a greasy will it's smoky, smoky will. will you know <laughs> and i just um you, you know and my mom always gave us this you know this um you know t- tough times that's don't last that's but, what doesn't know. kill you makes you stronger yeah, yeah type shit yeah. all the time it was always like like this is an adventure. We're we're doing stuff like you know. Not everybody has to is go through this. Is your mom still and, with us? And how's her health? Uh, she's still with us. We haven't talked in a few decades. Gotcha, gotcha, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so so are we? So is there a middle school? How yeah, is this it? was middle school probably. Okay. This was happening in middle school, probably seventh grade maybe. I think my grandfather died that year too, Aww. and like a bunch of stuff happened. But I was Left just you like a turtle. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> No, but I was just like, I mean, I was a real tough kid. My like I just, had a pet I was not the type of person to ever uh, really complain about. I just, you know, like I looked around and well, I remember really thinking, different either. yeah, for sure. And I remember as a kid thinking like I would see people, like I would go to other people's houses and they would have dinner together as a family and like eat a dinner. And I was just like, wow, these people are rich. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, they have frozen peas. <laughs> yeah, these people are so wealthy. They have so much stuff, but- um, Dude, that's so funny. But yeah, I was just like, you know, and I, um, at the same time, like I, I had started skateboarding and like, oh, I was like yeah. your standard punk kid, you how know? Old you like, how old are you now? And now, yeah. currently, yeah. I'm 39. I just oh, turned 39. Oh, baby. Okay, so before we move on to the, to the high school phase, for some reason, that comment, made me have a memory and the podcast is never about me but this is an interesting <laughs> memory which is that growing up in Rivland Terrace and Charleston where I grew up on James Island there were a lot of very 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 wealthy people that lived right on the river down the street from us mm-hmm. and we lived across the street from the river and there was this family called the Clements and the daughter was my friend Diana I loved her but when I would go to her house they were rich and when I would go to her house I remember one time they were having artichokes, and I had never, <laughs> I had never seen an artichoke before. You just like picked the and whole thing like, up and eat it, it like, like an apple. A weird pine, yeah, it looked like a weird pine cone to me, and I didn't understand like what it was and why right. you'd want to eat it. And then the mom, her mom was a was an elegant lady, a right. really elegant Southern lady, and she felt sorry for the little underprivileged me who didn't know how to eat a freaking artichoke. And so she she sat next to me and like cut the pointy tips off. And then peeled it and showed me how to scrape it against my right. teeth. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem very refined. Yeah. You know, we pick it up. <laughs> this and isn't scra- efficient at all. <laughs> and we're scraping it on our teeth. And so I ran home and I told my mom and I go, we had artichokes. And my mom goes, what are you talking about? Anyway. So the artichokes, rich people and artichokes. I, I did. I swear. Um, I. When was your not, first artichoke? Fuck. When I was like twenty three. <laughs> there you go. You know, I didn't. <laughs> These are the milestones. Yeah. I, I. You know what's very funny? Um, my. I remember. I love artichokes. Though, uh, by the way. For for those who don't know anything about me that are listening to this, yeah. I've been divorced a few times. Yeah, we don't give uh, any backstory. But my um my uh my first wife. I remember um, I went over to her house and I was like probably 21 years old or something like that. And I went over to her house and her stepdad, who is still a very good friend of mine to this nice. day and, and a great mentor and person to, to have in your life. Um, he told me, he's like, hey, we're going to make steaks for dinner tonight. And I was like, all right, you know, cool, whatever, you know. And 
Um, and he was like, you don't like steak? And I was like, yeah, it's like whatever. Uh, you know, I did, and um, and I realized after he had made it, I I'd it never, never had really it. had a steak. I never had a real steak before. I'd only like had a high quality steak. A high quality steak that wasn't not steak. Just cooked to the center, brownish, like yeah. well, well done. Yeah. He cooked me a medium rare steak, and it was the first time I'd ever. Oh, so good! At 21 years old, was the first time I had a steak that I was like, oh wow, this is actually like delicious. edible. Yeah, it's delicious. This is so good. I had my whole life thought steak was just a chewy, gross disgusting, thing. gross thing, <laughs> and because I just didn't realize that, I, you know, my family just never ate anything of any quality. You yeah, know? Oh God. Like, so now, did you? Did you graduate from high school? I did. I graduated nice. uh, by the skin of my teeth. I, okay. No, so I was a very but going to school. I know you're smart, so I know it wasn't hard. Not even I mean, a little bit. Yeah, it's not. Which hard. is uh, high school wasn't hard. And, for me. and it was it reinforced. My mom would always like anytime I got in trouble, she'd be like, "You're just not challenging him. That's why he's doing all this stuff." We do and, love that about her. She was being honest. Yeah, that is true. It, it is true because I was not even the least bit challenged in high school. There was never a time. I don't know where Pennsylvania fell, but I went to school in South Carolina, and it was like number, you know, it was like forty nine. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, People... Pennsylvania's got a good education system oh, okay. for the most part. Now I think. It's good. And I was SC's good and now. I was in a. Um, I, I mean, I I went to. Re reasonably decent schools like there were some of them were kind of were, shitty, you, a, but, were you a truant we Did you yeah cut i class skipped class all the time know, by too. the time i was a senior i was barely there like Dude, i missed 70 days my senior year i was and they on my i was on my fifth high school by the time i was a wow. senior so it was like i had i you know because i I, I eventually grew tired of, you know, living because after so this the mom story just goes deep on this. We're going to find out a lot about my three divorces through this, this conversation. This is the but, aspect. Yeah. Of uh, the my interview. mom, uh, my mom, after we um, after she left the burned down trailer and we <laughs> we moved to a, an apartment in in like the town that we lived Moving in. On up. And it was like, yeah, no, legitimately, it was like a shitty apartment. I mean, it was like it was like a college apartment, you know, nice. it was like where it was like like a hundred houses in a row and they were all kind of like townhouse style apartments and everything. Right. Um, and it wasn't a great but place, it had walls. but it had walls. And I actually, for the first time since, you, you know, like, I was like, no, I think um, I had, I had like, I had a room that like was kind of a shared room with my brother for a while. And then like, it, it was just a, it was always like a thing, but there was, it was only two bedrooms in his apartment. And there was four of us living there. So it was like, you know, I sort of had a safe space, but not really, but we only lived there for about a year. And during that year, I'll never forget this. During that year, my mom left me alone for two weeks, just home alone. I was probably 12 Where was or 13. Else? Uh, she took Camp? them. No, they, she took them what? all. Uh, they went back to Eastern Pennsylvania to do something. I forget, but they all went back. And there. was the excuse that you were in school and couldn't go? Yeah, something like that. Um, I think I had like basketball or something like that. Okay. I was playing at the time, but um, while she was gone, 12. yeah, while she was gone, I was snowboarding. Uh, like I, I, um, there was like a hill near our our, our place that everybody went to to like kind of snowboard. Yeah. It was like it was just like it wasn't even like a big hill or anything. Like an overpass. There, yeah, yeah, it was not even like a. <laughs> it wasn't like a ski slope or anything like that. It was just where people would go and sled and shit, and it was nice. well known. Yeah, I have one. So, anyways, we went out to that shit, and uh, and I broke my arm. Oh shit! I broke my arm, and uh. And also, this is the beginning of like my like Will is never going to tell anybody when he's hurt. You oh know? right, well yeah, so we'll get into that. I, I fell, um, I and I I broke my arm, and it was bad. Like my shit was like broken, and um, but I I I went home 
like I, I, t I told all my friends, I like got up and I was all, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just, I just got to go home right now, like right now, you know. Is, is your and, arm, is your arm fucked up? Still? No, I mean I still have some like you know wristy shits, but it's like kind of <laughs> coming out every time I do it. But um, but I had um, did I, you, I broke did my you arm. Create like a sling. Yeah, I, I, I did. I did exactly. I took yeah. an old flannel shirt. Yeah. And I wrapped it up around and I put my arm in this thing, and I spent uh, a week just wow. in my house by myself and it was Eat, like over like christmas break or some shit like oh that too God. and i was just alone in my house for a week Aww. with a broken arm oh, and Jesus. i just i didn't know what to do you know so i just i mean like i kind of knew like oh you got to like support it right, and, right, like, right, try. Right. but like i um I, I my mom came home after like a week of me having a broken arm and i was just i had giant mixing bowls and i was just eating cereal out of mixing <laughs> bowls because i couldn't do i couldn't wash dishes right, my right, hand right. was fucked up and i was like i was just like what oh am i gonna God. do so i was just like like uh, i guess you did know she take you to the doctor yeah we we went to the doctor and they were immediately like yeah this is broken. did they re-break it uh no they just um Said it, it was maybe. like a hairline fracture okay. or whatever Ouch, and though. um but and it was dislocated my Ow. wrist was dislocated so they like reset my wrist and then uh. everything but it was like um yeah it was I, I had a broken arm and i was just home by myself now, this this would have affected the guitar playing yeah well <laughs> it, it would have affected uh my mom's ability to stay out of jail had the right people been involved but there right. was just no one checking up on me at any time yeah that was like the whole thing that's the the through sadness. line of my of my childhood is just sadness. just no one was ever watching what i was doing no one was ever paying attention See, but to me, i actually you know? think that's a blessing yeah, for me it might have been because I, think, I just I think if got someone, into my own shit. You know? My parents were a little bit more responsible than your mom, but <laughs> God bless them. But I do. We were left alone a lot, and I'm actually glad we were, and I'm glad we weren't monitored because, you know, I'd be in jail or something, or would have been in jail, or would have not had a lot of fun that I had. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> I mean, I was having fun, no doubt. It did that fun maybe later cause problems for my mental state as yeah. an adult. Yeah, maybe fine, but um, so so. And, and part of my part of my purpose here is to you know reel us back in. So ultimately, we're going to find out how Will got into music. But right <laughs> now, this is such an interesting life story. So you. Now you're in high school. Yeah, I'm in high school. You know. I finally got tired of my mom's shit. Oh, that was the the where the, the this whole thing was going. Were you so, emancipated? No, my my <laughs> Did mom. You emancipate? Uh, after we my mom could only we only stayed in that apartment for like a year, and okay. then my mom. Uh, my grandfather died during that year and my mom got a little bit of inheritance money. Okay. It wasn't much and there was a big fight in her family about oh, what wow. the money was. For the 10 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> but she ended up buying this piece of land outside oh, wow. of the city and was like, we're going to build a house. And this is like my mom always wow. like big plans type shit, you know? And you so, gotta love the enthusiasm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the uh, optimism. <laughs> so so we um, she we move out of the apartment, we, we start building this house and she builds basically the foundation which is like the basement right and oh, it's like oh yes i <laughs> so we build this foundation and she's like all right and then we're gonna put this log cabin on top and it's gonna be so beautiful it's in the woods a little bit it's like this whole thing and um she basically had enough money to build the foundation the foundation oh jesus and then um and then we ran out of money and we couldn't stay in two places so we moved into what was ostensibly just a fucking hole, hole. a square hole yeah it was wow. like it was like an in-ground pool that you know <laughs> that my mom was there threw. a bathroom 
Yeah, there was a bat. There was a bathroom, but there was like the water. The water was like not treated properly, and Mm. it was gross. And like everything was, and there was no light in the bathroom. We had a little one of those shitty clip-on, like you know, old school like metal lights or whatever. Yeah, the clamp-on ones. We had one of the yeah shop light. You know, we had one of those in the bathroom, and you went in, you had to plug it in every time, and it was like and um. Well, I mean, electricity. No, there was no walls in like the rest of the house, basically, because she what had is started this with framing. No walls. It's You're just, doc- you know I what? Know, Your dude. biography should be called No, no Walls. walls. <laughs> <laughs> Instead yeah, of so Fuzzy Walls. She, um, you know, and we we lived there for a little while, and um, and I eventually just was like, I like I'm this, over this. I, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, I I had a very good friend. His name was Brett, who lived uh just down the street from me. And his parents were like, "Come stay here." And his parents were very normal we and love cool. Them. And they and Brett would go. What's home, Brett's last name? Caught a spot. And shout, he actually shout, just reached out to me recently. Shout out to Brett Phil, and his family. Phil Cottesbot was his his dad, and they and his dad kind of told me one time, like, and his mom too was was wonderful, and they 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 kind of pulled me aside one day and were like, hey, if you need to be here, like, it's fine. You're you're welcome. Eat Aww. the food. Do whatever you need to do. And they they were so loving and and kind people. I've always and, depended on the blindness of strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she, um, so I, I did, I spent a lot of time there, but every time I would come home, I was like, I can't stand living with, she's crazy. I starting to get to the age where I'm realizing this person is mentally insane. Like there's something where you don't, you don't do this to kids. You don't put them in this situation. So, um, bipolar disorder was very misunderstood. My mom was also bipolar. So, um, so I, I finally, yeah, I was undiagnosed, but but certainly, but the optimism that's the manic side. Yeah, and also the like these like periods of like I can't get leave out the of house bed. and can't yeah. get out of bed type yeah. shit. So anyway, um, uh, I um, uh, I, I finally horm- I finally had a hormones. blow up with her one day where I was just <laughs> like, I'm out, I'm done, and yeah. I called my dad and he sent my brother who was living with him who had gone through the same thing a few like a year before right. uh, with my mom and left and moved in with my dad. He sent How my much brother. How older is your brother than you? He's two years older. Okay, than me. um, and. He came, my brother brought his truck out and I, I put as much stuff as I could fit into it, which I didn't own much anyways, but, um, we put a a bunch of stuff in the back of his truck and I went back to my dad's house and I lived with my dad for the rest of high school. But even my dad kind of was like, he moved around a lot. He was more stable and more sane, you know, and, but But also- well, no, actually, my dad, oh, my dad was, he wasn't poor. He was paying a lot of child support out for a long, <laughs> and my mom took his entire retirement savings and everything what? whenever she left and like kind of hamstringed him a whole bunch oh, no. and like really put him through a lot. And, um, uh, and it was, he had, you know, it was now a little bit now tough. Now as a but, guy who's been divorced a few times, you now see your dad's yeah, side, right? Well, yeah, but he was, um, but he was, my dad was, my dad was, uh, he, he worked 12 hours a day every Aww. day and he was always working. He liked working. And like, I honestly feel like my dad, um, you know, escaped from like your mom yeah for, by working you oh, know my dad like, did the same and i think even like my stepmom later and like stuff my dad just if he was at work he could always be like bitch i'm at work you know i yeah, can't deal yeah. with this right now i'm at work yeah. and so he worked a lot and yeah. i never really saw him growing do? up uh he did two things he worked as a um he worked for he was a production manager and like vice president of this um this uh like the largest mushroom growing company in the world Dude, so I love this. yeah it was very it, like where he lived in pennsylvania was like the, the mushroom, mushroom growing area you know it was like, if you drive through that area you'll <laughs> it smells awful because it's all like you know horse manure and shit and, and um and that's how they grow them in the mushrooms they yeah, grow yeah. mushrooms and shit so yeah, yeah. uh that area is just all like these like really shitty like little brick like no kind pun of buildings. intended yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
um, and that's anyway, he worked there. He made a decent living. I think one time when I was like in high school, I saw he made like pre-tax like eighty thousand dollars a year. That is a lot of money. Yeah, in like it, the it, 70s or 80s. Well, this is like nine late nineties now. This okay, see, like so I'm 90s. so older. Yeah, I, okay. This is like late nineties now. So it wasn't Dude, a, my dad made like forty grand in the sixties and I thought that he was a millionaire. Yeah. I mean my dad <laughs> was fine. He um he he moved a lot because uh, the company that he worked for would like buy a, a big tract of land, and usually there'd be like a farmhouse on that tract of land, and they would subdivide all the land, and then my dad would live in like the farmhouse, you That's know. Cool. And, like, yeah, it was kind. Of, I grew up in a lot of like you know eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds type houses and stuff like, which meant we didn't have air conditioning, but also uh, like we, but also we had you know like like uh, thick walls and yeah, like a real nice house. Uh, yeah, it was a big stone like place yeah, and everything house. was nice. So um and, and like again not poor. My dad's notoriously cheap. Like my dad's the type of guy who's like. Hey man, somebody was throwing away this book bag. Do you need a book bag for school this year? You're like, it's like that has vomit on it. Yeah, it's like, well, that's a really <laughs> awful book bag, but like, uh, yeah, I guess you know, and like, I, and like, you know, he wasn't like a, I'm gonna buy you a bunch of clothes for school or anything. So it was like I always still looked really poor growing, even in high school and everything. But, um, but at least my stepmom. Did he make you, you get know, a job? What's that? Your dad make you get a job? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, had to get yeah, a job. I had a job at like 14. Yeah, nuts. I started working for the first time when I was 12 and I was still living wow. with my mom. Wow. And um, and then uh, I had a job pretty much all through high school, like wow. always working. Yeah. My dad got me, when I turned 16, he got me a job working at that same company, first oh. as a security guard. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is hilarious. I'm like 16 years old and I'm in this security guard. You weigh like 120 guard. pounds. And, <laughs> yeah, and there was, this, um, there was this guy who used to work there who was like, <laughs> The cocaine king of Pennsylvania. I have to picture Will as a security guard at 16. Oh my God, it was so funny. <laughs> because like, I was already like, there was this guy that worked there and um, and the, the like the, the, the president of the company and everything kind of had a, a conversation with like, look, this guy, Steve, like he's always skipping out. He's always leaving. I want you to write down every time he leaves and for how long. And so I'm Watch like, okay. Steve, surveil, and then, surveillance. And then Steve would come by and he'd be like, hey man, uh, I'm going to go to the bar. You want anything? And I'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I'll, grab me a sixer, you know? Nice. And, he, and so he would go to the bar for like three hours while he was working, nice. bring me back a six pack of beer. And then I would sit out there drinking beer in the security yeah. shack and I, I wouldn't write down anything. And then, um, and then eventually, I think I got kind of caught being like the worst security. <laughs> I used to sleep all the time. And so, uh, and so they were like, let's move him inside and give him a different job. So oh. they moved me inside and put me on Steve's crew, which is. Yes. And, and then I found out Steve loves cocaine. So like. Yes, we love Steve. We would just like it was a it was a second and third shift job because it was sanitation. So in th high school, I was working like third shift all the time oh or God. like this weird between second and where I'd get done at like four in the morning or oh whatever. But we would just come in and just do blow all night long. <laughs> And then Steve would like clock me out Steve's two hours. Alive. Oh man, I think he actually is. Uh, <laughs> go Steve, but, go. Yeah, but he was, <laughs> I mean, just the worst influence for someone like me where he was just like, hey man, uh, I'm going to get an eight ball of Coke. I'll just put you in for an extra like six, seven hours this week. You go ahead and pay me that money and we'll uh, split this. We'll go this. party. Yeah. yeah, we'll split this. So he was just clocking me in for extra hours and I would just get fucked up so, on the clock. So. A lot of the people that I interview, obviously, I know these people. And one of the things that I really respect about Will is that he is a veteran. So you're in high school. You've got Steve, the most wonderful mentor ever. <laughs> Slash worst. <laughs> Slash, and your dad, you know, your dad, your dad is probably some, trying to do some tough love. Why did you join the military? 
Um, what, my, my dad told decision? me. So so back to the the I, I was I was the I, cocaine I was mushroom smart. farm. You cannot make this shit up. <laughs> I was very smart in, in yeah. high school. Yeah. I, I took my SATs as a sophomore, not even as a like, a yeah, junior. Yeah, I did I took too. Them, actually, took them as a sophomore, and I think I scored a. I think I scored like a twelve sixty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, mine was, was like mine good. was like high, but my my math wasn't great, but everything was else. My English and stuff was perfect, but my math was medium. Uh, yeah, I I, I that I, so that was as a sophomore. I took him again as a junior, and I think I got like a fourteen ten or something like that. So it was like really good. Like that's that's, that's high. Up mine there. was like fifteen yeah. something. I, I and, it was high. Um, we're, we're both smart. You can't tell. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the decisions I make. Uh, so, um, but. But whenever Could I kind of... Could you have gotten a scholarship, I wonder? Well, so I, I did... Drexel University reached out to me a few times. Well, and You know, and, we have a I, kid here from Drexel. Really? Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, so I... Um, I I, I I thought about it, but my dad told me my junior year, he was like, you should figure something out because- Don't be a pussy and go to college. There's no money for you to Join go the to military. college. So it's like, if All you want right. to have something to do. And my brother was in the Marines um, already. Ah. He had gone uh, after, because he's two years older than me. So between my sophomore and junior year- Is this like Gulf year, War shit? When is no, this is, uh, this is 90. My brother went in 2000. I'm out of so, touch with the military. Yeah, my brother went in 2000. So there was nothing going on. With our conflict. There was nothing happening in 2000 um and then um i was uh, you know uh Peace i was a senior Marine. i was a senior in high school when uh 9-11 happened all right and um oh, wow. and uh and i lived i mean close enough to smell the smoke from new york like wow. we, we were that it was like you know for like a few days it was yeah. like Philly's the dust drifted drifted over pennsylvania for a oh, while and it was wow. like pretty bad that's depressing and um so it was, and also I spent a lot of time in New York. I would go up there with my friends. We'd go to clubs and party and shit, you know. Oh. When I was a kid, so you're like, we're gonna go get these terrorists. Yeah. So I, I basically was like, all right, I'm gonna do the honorable thing here, and I have no future, really. You know, it's like I cannot. And I remember even then thinking, like, if I even went to college right now, I'm gonna be in jail or dead in a year. Like, it's just there's no way I'm gonna go off and like be completely unsupervised and not because i was already selling drugs in high school and like well, you know, and this is like, the part where the lack of the lack of supervision comes into play like we we don't want to smother our kids but yeah. we definitely but maybe you should check attention. if he has like you know an ounce of cocaine in his room yeah. that he's selling to the catholic school kids yeah. down the street you know <laughs> like uh we do like the entrepreneurial spirit though. yeah you know i mean i was making bread you know <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had to survive. Everything was about survival for me. So, yeah, um, so I joined. I joined the Marines, and I um, I went off to. Um, did we, and where did you train in my beloved? Yeah, home Paris State. Island, Paris Island, which South is really Carolina. just death. Yeah, death it's, swamp. It's very funny when they tell you when you get there. They tell you like there is only one road on and one road off. You're not gonna run away from here. And if you try and go through the swamps, you'll die. Yeah, Gator's well, gonna get you, I've boy. I've been looking at houses. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna retire back to South Carolina. And Brian keeps looking at houses down by Buford and down by Paris Island. He's like, "Oh, what about Lady Island?" I'm like, "Well, it sounds really good." Yeah. I go, "But it's really just swamp." Mm -hmm. You know, there's alligators. Yeah, like, yeah. Most of Paris everywhere. Island people don't really know it's that hot. about it. Mosquitoes. It's hot. It's like I was there in June, July. It's like Vietnam hot. Yeah, it, June, July, and August. <laughs> oh God! So uh, we had they had what they called Black Flag days, where oh. it's like you cannot go outside. Yeah, because of the black flies it's and so, stuff. So it's no, it's so hot outside. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like over. Yeah, it's like over hundred and ten degrees, and it's humid as shit. And if my like, husband listens to this, it, it, it's only like that for a little bit, and you go inside. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it, it was brutal. I was there. Um, I you know I people I, die. People have died in basic training. Oh yeah, absolutely. They have they have heated 
exhaustion. Like yeah. that's a big thing. Like they they um they call it giving you the silver bullet because whenever you do that, they have this um uh the, two things. They they take your temperature rectally. Oh, and then, okay. And then also they um they have this big. It's basically just a big cold wand that they stick inside your ass to cool you down to cool you down oh that sounds kind of hot yeah it was, you <laughs> I know. mean good enjoyable I mean it woke some <laughs> stuff up in me you know <laughs> uh so uh so where's your first deployment so uh so I so we I won't get to the music it's people, 2000 it's 2000 uh and it's 2002 uh, we were not we we were just barely in Afghanistan, mm. you know, like not really. Okay, I and, have a theory that we went to Afghanistan to get lithium for lithium batteries. Uh, I believe there was a little bit, you know, it's funny. And we to burned think, down the poppy fields because we wanted the heroin. No, we. Uh, <laughs> it's like a whole thing, like the whole Purdue like uh, pharmaceuticals thing. There's right. like there's a big tie-in with all that yeah. stuff. But I'll get into those conspiracies some other time. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so we we were just barely. We just had like a few, like a few thousand people in in Afghanistan. It was not a I full fledged thing. I did. Uh, I'm just saying that's what was going on when I was in basic okay. training okay, okay, and everything. Okay. But um, but there were there was rumors. There was talk about like, hey, we're gonna start going into other countries and oh. shit. And so like, be ready. So uh, I graduated in September uh, from boot camp, and I went to um, uh, I went to. Cal I, well, after that, I went to North Carolina for infantry training because I was in in in, was in that the Fort infantry. Bragg? What is that? It's um Jackson, uh, okay. Jacksonville, North Carolina. Right, right, it's right. um uh uh the it, it, I forget. My brain's not helping me right now. I don't now, know but, which fort is there. Yeah, Look it it's, up. but it's Jacksonville, North Carolina, and it's where they do the infantry training and everything. And I went there, and then they basically took my whole company from infantry school and they split it down the middle, A through you know M, M or whatever, yeah. go are going to California and. N through Z are staying here in, in North Carolina. Great to have the last here. name on spot. Yeah, so I was right at the top of the list. They sent my ass out to California. I San got Diego? to my uh to uh um uh Camp Pendleton, which nice. is you know Orange yeah. County basically. Yeah. It is San Diego County, but yeah, it's, it's like by, basically it's Orange by, County. It's uh, by Carlsbad. Yes. Um and um so uh so we Oceanside. I got, Oceanside. Ocean yeah. Slime, as it is, you know. Great. Uh one of the worst towns in the entire United States. I would anywhere, own a house there. Anywhere that is close to a military base, do not fucking do it. Dude, it's there. like crime. Well, oh, it's the Seriously. worst, dude. First of all, it's like gangs of marine horny ass marines just <laughs> roaming around on a Friday night trying to find some local poon to get on, you know? It's like, Jesus, you guys are the worst thing that's ever happened to the Anyway, so I get sent out there. It's like uh it's right before Thanksgiving. We um we we get out there and I'm there for two months. We go home for a Christmas leave. Mm. I'm back home for Christmas leave. I remember I was at my girlfriend's house uh, who, you know, stayed with me during the first couple of years I was in the we Marines. And, and, um, and, uh, and I get a phone call like two days after New Year's. I was supposed to be back on like the 5th or something. And I got a call like the day after New Year's, I think. And they were like, get back now. And I was like, okay. So um, called the airport, had to like, you know, switch my flight up and everything. Flew back to California. We get there and they're like, we're going to Iraq right now. Oh, wow. And so uh, the next two weeks we spent doing gear inspections. Iraq is like, like Africa hot, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty bad. So we, we, you know, we do all these inspections, we do all this shit. And then we got on a ship 
and a um, ship. Yeah, so uh, the Marine wait, Corps. I'm confused. The Marine Corps is part of the Navy. I know, but wait, don't you fly to Iraq? No, uh, because you have to take trucks and war supplies oh, so and all that shit. Oh, so you got aircraft carrier. Type yeah, stuff. it's like it, we we got on a big. Basically, what they have is like uh, like a, a group of ships, you know, and they'll put. Okay, like, I don't know geography very well, but you sail out of like near San Diego. San Diego. Sail out of San Diego and across the Pacific across Ocean? the Pacific Ocean. Uh, what? South around Malaysia, you know, up through uh, like into the, the Indian Ocean and shit, or what? yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't I mean, understand. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's wow. like it's like you go around the south part of of you know Southeast Asia or whatever, like Vietnam, Thailand, all that shit. Wow. You go through there through Singapore, like, oh, cool. and then up into into the Middle East. Um, wow. And we offloaded the Gulf of, into the Gulf of Iran or yeah. Iraq, whatever. We, Is it we, a Gulf of Iraq? I don't know. I have no idea. My I think I, it's my a Gulf days, of Iran. I think it's Iran. Persian but, Gulf. Persian Gulf. Okay, sure. yeah. but but is but is Iraq bordering the Persian Gulf? Uh, Iraq is actually a landlocked country. Kuwait is the oh, right, right, is on right. the southern See, border. This, I don't so, want the people listening to think I'm stupid, but I also want you to know that I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have no. It's, it doesn't matter. It's honestly, but it's, it's landlocked. All, it's, it's all hell. the same bullshit it's once hell. you get there. Yeah. It's so hell. we um so we we uh, took a ship. It took forty five. You weren't days. part of the Marine Band. I was not, no. They're pretty good. They are pretty good, but um, <laughs> it, it also is really lame to join the Marines to be a fucking trumpeter, you know? Like, Anyway, so um, so we get there. This was um, this was February we arrived in, in uh, Kuwait. We offloaded into the desert. It's hot as fuck. Cold at night. Cold at night. Hot as fuck during the day. Uh, and, um, and the sand, it's like you cannot understand what it's like being out in that desert because like... It's you, you like it sinks. You sink up to the ankle every single time, and like uh, it's walking like, in sand's hard anyway. It's very. It's so. And then put gear on your back too. Put a hundred pounds of gear on you and shit. And I carried a rocket launcher too and rockets. Jesus. So it was like shit was heavy. And um, you get and we, strong quick. Man, I'm telling you, you're all, eating a lot. Not really. No. Uh, <laughs> one meal, two meals a day wow. usually. Like it was pretty because like they, we weren't. You know, it's like getting to a war is complicated. There's like. A lot like, of organization getting yes, people from point A to point B. In the Marine Corps, they say for every one infantry Marine, there is 10 support Marines, meaning uh, somebody who pays them, someone who feeds them, someone mm, who drives the truck, yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who does the you know the, the gear appropriation. It's like all this stuff. So, um, so yeah, so we were out there in Kuwait. We were there for about three weeks. Um, we had a lot of really funny incidents that happened like, one guy tried to kill himself. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hold on. Okay, screw, screw that guy. So no, it was, he uh, he didn't really try and kill himself. Like he, he just wanted out. He wanted out, you know. And so he went and he hid in a in a porta shitter, and uh, and he uh, and he he injected himself with this two pan chloride, which oh, is like God. a nerve agent, like oh, anti nerve agent thing. Oh, Jesus. And he also swallowed a bottle of aspirin. Oh God. But the two pan chloride makes you throw up. Oh yeah. So, so he just. Threw Cute. up his aspirin and oh, then God. just and then was just real loose, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so he he and then we had another guy who uh, tried to escape by hiding in like a a dump truck or some <laughs> shit, you know. He tried to get out of the day. He didn't want to go to war. And this is the funniest thing ever to me because the Marine Corps is like no bullshit. First of all, we had after this situation, uh, our platoon sergeant had to give us a um, a suicide awareness brief. A pep talk. Yes. <laughs> and he brings us all into this room and he's all, all right, listen, motherfuckers, you know, uh, we're out here. I know it's fucking tough, you know, and like, if you're going to kill yourself, look, 
You're all carrying a fucking gun, you know. <laughs> Rack around, slow, steady squeeze to the rear, bitch. You know, like <laughs> quit wasting our yeah. time. With Don't these... waste our time yeah. with this fucking. Oh, Wanna I'm gonna be... kill myself. Like if you're gonna do it, do it outside. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I like... love this guy. It was very funny. Did we like this guy? Uh, he was an interesting cat. I never had any real beef with him, but uh, he was kind of Probably enabling. Cared about the he dudes. enabled a lot of abuse that happened. Oh. that which was very bad. Hazing was a big deal back then. And yeah. uh, and while we were fighting this war, because this was what happened, March March twentieth, uh, you know, Bush o o ordered a forty eight hour ultimatum to get out of uh, for for Saddam to allow the weapons right. inspectors in and everything. And if you don't, within forty eight hours, we're coming in. And so we're sitting there on the border, literally ten miles from Iraq, like being like, okay, well, I guess we're gonna go. And we get all suited up, and and it happened. And we middle of the night, we got in the in the armored vehicles, and we we crossed the border, and we fought all the way from the southern border all the way up to Baghdad. Mm. Um, and during this whole war, like, and it was, you know, a war was, you know, fighting door to door. And, and so, um, so Saddam's got, you know, his troops and the, and the people that are quote unquote government authorized. Mm -hmm. But wasn't there like, the citizenry wasn't there yeah, like so militia there was, type people well, defending was, their homes yes later it was even more of that because and, and also i should state here right now like the Iraqi I, people are probably I, awesome i wanted i want to state like i i fully recognize at this time in my life that like what we did was invade a country oh yeah you know a and sovereign like, country a sovereign country yeah. we invaded a sovereign country yeah, for our uh, own purposes for our own purposes yeah. We yeah, never found any weapons of mass destruction. You yeah. don't have a choice. Oh, yeah, I was in the Marines. I, I, and also, it's like, you got to understand, as we got to, when we got to Baghdad, people were waving American flags in the street and cheering us on like liberators. So it was certainly like a reinforced by a thing where people were, he was an oppressive dictator. Also, they you wanted know, you there. there's plenty of motherfuckers that are oppressive dictators in the world that we don't do shit about. So exactly. like, don't be justifying a, yeah. an illegal war and yeah. Bush and Cheney should be tried as war criminals. Anyway, all that stuff doesn't matter. We, um... We, but that whole time, that whole four weeks uh, before Bush st stood on the aircraft carrier and declared mission accomplished, uh, we were fighting a war, but I was also getting hazed regularly. Uh. I had this sergeant that was in charge of me that was would punch me in the face, Jesus. take my food, what? you know, like kick me in the chest. If Dude, he was these like, people are mental. Yeah, it was it was insane. It's like we're literally fighting a war and somebody is like- Beating you up. Taking my food. It, dude, I'll even take the ass kickings. Dude, it didn't even really guy. bother me. But like, you're taking my food. We're only getting one meal a day, you dude. know? Cause like the log train is stuck behind us. There's this oh, whole thing. Dude. Like we're getting attacked every single night. And like oh, we're sleep, we literally slept in a trash dump for like three days, wow. you know, where like a trash dump. I'm not talking yeah. like, like a huge giant, Miles big Reeking. trash dump. Yes, like rot. There was a dog with no skin oh, that crawled God. up out of the shit, like oh, an eye God. hanging out. And he's all, "Be my friend," and we're like, "No, <laughs> you're creepy, dog." You know. <laughs> so, uh, so we, um, you know, we, we're, we, 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 like, we're, you know, we're getting hazed while all this is happening. Oh. They're taking our food. They're beating the shit out of us. They're like doing the worst. Okay, stuff I had to ask the obvious. Did anybody take a gun and shoot those fuckers? No. Like your own officers? You're... No, no. Uh, God, no. they're lucky. They're lucky no one took them out. People talked about it all the time. Oh, I bet. There was certain, but it was like, it was tough because it was really hard. Honestly, like we all kind of had that. Oh, man, if the right circumstance happens, right. like I'm gonna just smoke this dude. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. Done. You know, you think, and it doesn't really. It's counterintuitive. 
because you don't expect them to be like you know your mom and giving you pie. Sure, but, yeah. But, but at the same they're time, they're leading you through war. You know. Yeah, but it's at like, the same time, you'd think that you'd that they'd want you to have that sense of I've got your back. We're in this together. Yes. I, you know, I, I mean, which is what I tried to be I'm as a leader. leader. Like I was tough on my guys when I became a sergeant and I was in charge of a, a, a section of guys. Like I, I tried to be like, Hey, I'm going to beat you and be tough on you and everything. But also I've got your back yeah. and like, we're beside each other. And like, yeah. I never felt that way from him. You in know, fact, we, you should know that we joke here at East West on the staff that if there's ever like an apocalyptic event that I want to be in your foxhole. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, the other people that are piling in, you know, we're pushing them out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as food allows. Keith, Keith can come because he could cook. Yeah, Keith can cook. He knows a lot of, like, handy stuff, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, he yeah. Could, he could probably purify water or something yeah. if we needed yeah. to, you know. So, you know. Yeah, so, so, like, yeah, useful people have a place in the apocalypse with yeah, me. I'm fine exactly. with that. I always, my friend Tom always says, uh, case of champagne and loaded shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when the zombies come. So, um, yeah, so so I spent, um, you know, nine months. How old were months. you when you... Uh... I was I was eighteen. I turned nineteen in uh, in Baghdad. And no, how in, long did you stay Al-Hilla. in the Marines? Uh, I was in Al Hilla when I five years. I stayed in for four and a half years. Wow! I got shot on my second deployment. Uh, my second deployment, we did um, uh, we we took a, a boat over again, and um, and we got there, and then uh, and we were we were stationed in Diwania, which was about an hour and a half from this town, uh, Najaf. And Najaf was basically the catalyst to Fallujah. Mm. So it's it's a bit of like the forgotten battle. Uh, mm. People re- always really talk about Fallujah being such a like a, a, a but Najaf was the exact same thing. It just never got any of the real coverage because it was a weird time and everything. So but I fought in, in the, the basically um, that was whenever it started becoming like militias and like people like there was a guy, uh, Muqtada al-Sadr, who's actually now like running for president or prime minister of, of Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude was our enemy at one point in time, which, you know, to be very fair, like... You, you invaded know, his country. We invaded his country. I, I, I think about this a lot now because it's like, man, the people that I was shooting at were were what would be me if this happened yeah, to my yeah. country. If this was my country, you'd have been fighting me. What, what was me, that movie you know? with Patrick Swayze when the commies like invaded and we all went up into Oh, the... Red Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Red Dawn. Yeah. Love that movie. <laughs> Love that no, movie. No, but it would be like Wolverines! That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be like Red Dawn. It would be like, you know, they're coming to attack our homes and mm-hmm. Change our way I would life. 100% fought back against any, yeah. like, I would have been the enemy if it yeah. was my country. And that's something that weighs heavily on me as a human being to know that, like, these people were just doing what I would do if it was my situation. Well, but again, so. I mean, give yourself a break because you didn't really have a way out. No, and, and, <laughs> and, and I, but also, like, I fool, I mean, I, I make no mistake, like, I, I was a warrior and I was cool with it. Like, yeah. at that point in time, I was, I was definitely, I was a Marine. I'd come from a hard life and I yep. was not, you know, I've been shooting guns since I was a, yeah. old enough to walk. You yeah. know, I was good at being a Marine. You know, when I was in incredible shape. You I know? bet you were a great, great soldier. Now, when I was a kid, I was going to, I asked people this occasionally. I grew up also hunting and, and knowing how to use a gun. I never in my whole life, when I was a kid, no one ever accidentally shot themselves in my neighborhood. Yeah. Did anyone accidentally shoot themselves in your neighborhood because they didn't know how to use a gun? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, they yeah. did? Yeah, in the trailer park. I mean, it was a trailer oh, park. You know, okay. I was like, well, uh, this dude, I remember when I was a kid, he shot himself in the leg with his pistol and it was a whole thing. It was really funny. This guy's uh, a dumb fucker anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> 
I mean, he probably died in that trailer park, oh, not from that situation. Well, but the reason you know. I bring it up is, you know, I obviously believe in responsible gun ownership and gun control and stuff like that. <clears throat> but it never made sense to me to completely get rid of guns because we all know that the bad guys will always have guns. You know, I, I think if we're going to gun gun ownership thing, like I personally. No, no automatic or semi-automatic weapons. Uh, yeah. So I believe personally, um, you know, uh Mental health I, test. I, I think I think that I think that it's too easy to get a I gun agree. in this country. I, I think it's too easy to get a gun in this country, and I think I think a lot of times the wrong people have guns, which isn't just like a, only criminals will have guns, but like even Crazy like people. even like legally. Do you know? I mean, this is a whole thing. You know, this is uh, it, it, the reason that uh, you, they've tried many times to say like, okay, if you have a domestic violence charge against you, then you will be restricted from getting a gun. But they always they always kick it back, and they're like, no. And the reason that that is is something like seventy percent of cops have domestic violence right. charges, so cops wouldn't even be able to carry guns right, if they right. if they made. So it's like all these restrictions. There's all these like these like unions and like right, right. you know organizations I, I, you that are trying. To buy fight. a gun at a gun show. I think, I think that that's lame. I think that we should. I think that it should be. Uh, you know, I I went through months of training. Yeah, to, to use a gun. To use a. I a, think a mental health. A semi-automatic I think, weapon. Well, you, you have know? to take a test to drive a car. Yeah. You know, take a test, wait eight weeks, blah blah blah. But look at the diversity of this country. If I lived in the middle of fucking Wyoming, sure, I'd want to own a gun. Yeah. You know, and live in Los Angeles. I own a gun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, make no mistake. Uh, like, I would be perfectly fine if they took away all the guns because I would still own guns. <laughs> yeah, I'd still like, have a gun too. I'd still have a gun. Yeah. You can have it when you pry it from my cold, dead hands, right. which yeah, you will yeah. have to do. Yeah. Trust me. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get off the gun thing. So, <laughs> yeah. this, the shaping the shaping of being in the Marines, you know, toughens you up. You see awful stuff. Yeah. And I know that. This is surprising to hear, but you're a sensitive cat, dude. You're a musician. Inside, there's that little boy uh, it, that got left alone. <laughs> it, it took a very, it took a, a lot of rehab. So I got shot on my second deployment, very, very bad. Like uh, uh, my one of my best friends died. My other very close friend got shot in the face. Do you have any medals of valor? Uh, I do. I have. I have. Um, I have a Purple Heart, which is oh. you know what we call the Slow Mover Award. For, you know? <laughs> being my dad had one for being yeah. wounded. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> I have mover. a Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal, and um, I also have um, several commendations for like battlefield, you know, oh, like okay. shit. You know, sometimes they just write a nice little citation. A lot of the things that I did in combat, that horrible shithead sergeant that was in charge of me, uh. literally just took my name out of the report and put his name in instead, what a fucker. And, and he got, got awards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, he ends up with a bronze. What, what does the Marine I, give? Is it a bronze star? Bronze star or silver star is like the main like combat what? awards or whatever. A NAM is also a what's combat that, award. What's that guy's but it's last kind of like name? Estrada. I'm not afraid. I, like you Eric Estrada. Yeah, very much later. I made peace, not with him, but with the concept of him because I realized like he was also in a situation. He was a shitty person, but he was also, in, he got stop lost to go to. What does that even mean? Oh, so, they, they kicked him out. No, they, 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 it, the opposite. They made him stay. He was supposed to get uh... out uh, before. And then we went to Iraq and right. they were like, nope, sorry, bro. You have to stay, and oh. he got involuntarily like forced to Conscripted. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had to do this. He should have been out. He shouldn't have stayed in the Marines. Like he should have been gone and home. Like he did his time. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. But anyway, so um, well, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck him. But yeah, I made I made peace with the concept anyway. And um, but um, 
yeah, so I, 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 I got shot. I was very mentally fucked up. I got pressured into going back a third time after I rehabilitated, which I was not actually rehabilitated. I was very much wounded still. And, and I pushed through the pain and lied about it so that I could stay. And Was there some opioid addiction at this time? Uh, yes, it started then. You know, like... Uh, <laughs> At this time, like they were giving the doctors in the military, this is very sad, but they were giving the doctors in the military like Percocet and fucking mm. and hydrocodone and stuff like that and being like, just give them to your guys. It, it's like they're, they're not addictive. They'll be fine. Oh, it was right. like there was a very big push. Like the military must have been buying billions of dollars worth of drugs from Purdue at this yeah, time. Yeah, people, 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 anybody who's naive enough not to realize the relationship between the military government contracts and the pharmaceutical companies yes. needs to... Just wake yes. up. And it was it was very, it, you know, it was fucked because, you know, they were just basically they were like, you know, I remember when I first got shot, they dumped like a hundred Percocet on me and were just Jesus. like, just, just take these when you're feeling they make shitty. Me it's itch. like, I, I, they do actually make me. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, it was, you know, up until this point in my life, I'd always just dealt with pain. I didn't go to the hospital for yeah. shit. You know, I broke yeah, my broken arm. arm. And, yeah, I broke yeah. my arm and walked around for like a week. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like holy shit, like, I, I feel an absence of pain. It wasn't even like but it made me But could you function? Feel... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. High level. Okay, I'm, a... I'm a high-level functioning addict at all times, so it's like I've question. always been I have a question. So, you know how you take drugs to get high, but when you actually have pain, I've never understood how, I mean, you know, I'm not a chemist, but I have been in pain, taking heavy-duty drugs, gets rid of the pain, and you're totally functional, but then when you don't have pain... You get all fucked up and high. Yeah. So, like, does the pain suck up the drug? Like, what is yeah, happening in the I don't brain? Quite, I honestly, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, uh, like, you don't get high. Yeah, I have always talked to it because, like, I, you know, all my addiction issues with opioids and stuff has kind of dealt with the fact that, like, um, it's always dealt with the fact that, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get high as much as I just want to feel Feel less pain pain. yeah i just want to it's not even an absence of pain for me it's just less or like i care about it less you know like i always said whenever i got shot and they gave me morphine i remember being like no this still hurts a lot you just i just don't care yeah i just don't care that it hurts i'm just like (laughs) yeah i think i think that's what happens so so what year was it when you got out of the marine i got out in 2006 the end of 2006 wow and um and i was mentally pretty fucked um uh, along with just like the military indoctrination, I'd lost a lot of friends. I'd had a lot of real damage done and everything. And I was just like, I thought I, I this is very funny. I thought I was, I went to school. I got out and I went to college. Um, oh, wow. I was living in, in Orange County with my first wife and I went to Saddleback in, 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 uh, Orange County. Wow. And, um, I did a semester there. Uh, I took a bunch of really high level classes for like, you know, for my first Business semester of college. Or? It was, no, it was like, um, I took, um, uh, like a, a calculus class. Oh yeah. I took, you're um, going to be that kind of engineer. Yeah. 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 I was like, I was, I was, I was really into, um, you know, like I thought literally, I thought I was going to maybe go be a history teacher somewhere. Aww. There was something about being like a war veteran history teacher. I that love that. Like that actually sounds, me. yeah, that sounds yeah. good. And, and I was like, I could, I could be the person at this time. I thought I should be the person that could save a kid like me from the yeah. path that I was about to go down, yeah. you know, like give and, him real history. Um, and um, and I did one semester of college and I, you know, I'd been out of school for four and a half, five years and, and aged a lot and aged a lot. And I was in Orange County and I'd experienced I was 20. I was 22, actually. Okay. And um, and I was in Orange County. So all the kids are like rich kids and shit like that. Nobody I got I had a four point oh. 
that first well, semester back sure. in college. And I was taking hard classes and everything, but I was acing all my tests and doing, and I thought if I'm here doing this well after not being in school for like almost five years, this is a waste of my time. I could do anything I want. Yeah, 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 I could do anything I want. This is so stupid. So what I did is I packed up all my shit, moved down to Texas, got divorced, and started drinking just oh God. heavily. Oh, God. Like, I joined a band. I, this is where the music comes from. I joined a band again. Like, I played music all throughout high school and everything, but obviously there was no time for that in the war, so I picked the bass back up, started playing bass I hate bass that guitar. statement, find your bliss, but you found something that made you happy. Well, I, I had to because honestly, like... You would have killed yourself. Yeah, I was I was trying to kill myself actively most of the time. Like, I was... Uh, even when I wasn't trying to kill myself, I was actively trying. There was many times where, like, I I remember one time I woke up in a Burger King parking lot. Oh, just yeah. my, my car, it was cold. It was the wintertime. And my car was dead because I'd fallen asleep with the with the car running oh, in in the seat, you know, like yeah. there was a cold cup of coffee. Clearly I had thought I better stop and get some coffee. Right, right. And up. I didn't even make it to drinking the coffee. I just oh, passed God. out in my car and, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm in the parking lot. I had to push my car to a gas. It was a whole thing. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really losing I've it. I've hit here. rock bottom. Yeah. I'm, I'm rock bottoming here. <laughs> uh, and I started doing a lot of psychedelics, uh, a lot of acid. See, I think that they can open up your mind in and a good it, way. It did help out a lot. Yeah. I started making peace with a lot of the stuff that I had done. You know, and LSD like, was first used of, on soldiers. Yeah, um, uh, and and it I'm really sure did why. help a lot. It, it really did, like going through it. Maybe I overdid it a few times, probably, <laughs> but I definitely ego deathed a few times and got pretty like confident with like you know who I was as a human being. And you were just a speck. And, yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, it, I'm just molecules uh, yeah, rubbing together. I'm, I'm an a, atom. I'm a, a billion cells just working together to punch somebody in the face today. You know, it's like, but um, uh, playing playing in the band and everything, you know, we- You were playing guitar? I was playing bass in okay. this band and doing some vocals and stuff. And I eventually got to a point um, where um, right at the end, there was a big culmination of my band was doing really well. We were touring. We were working on an album. What was the album. name of your band? Legions Will Fall. We were a progressive metal band. We were very weird. Um, <laughs> but people liked us. We, we we played cool shows. We had yeah. a good following and stuff. And um, What we part make- of Texas? Dallas. Dallas. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And we were making a record, and the guitarist from my band went to go pick up some CDs so we could burn some roughs of yeah. the record. And, um, and he never came back. And we were like, what the fuck, man? We were calling him and everything. What Finally, happened to dude? His brother called me about about five hours later. It was like, hey, man, uh, Walter's been in an accident. They had to uh, life flight him to Parkland to the hospital uh, in Dallas. And um, Did he die? No, he lived, but he was in a coma for the better part of like a month. Oh, my God. He was a uh, medically induced coma, I think, right, because right, right. his brain, brain swelling. swelled up. Yeah, yeah. When he woke up, he had no idea who anybody was. Like, oh, it was, wow. he was lost. Like, he, it took him a while to really get his, like, memories back. And, like, he didn't get all of it back. Was he the he leader def- of the band? He, he and I wrote everything wow. together. Like we had done all of the writing of oh, the songs together, and like and put the whole thing together. And so What's basically, his first name again? Uh, he, we called him Scully, but his name was Walter. Oh, um, and, Walter. Um, and he was um, uh, he was in bad shape. His leg was broken. Mm. He has he has a lot of brain damage. He couldn't play guitar. And at the exact same time, my girlfriend was like seven months pregnant with my daughter, eight, mm. six months, seven, seven or eight months pregnant with my daughter. And so she's about to burst and everything. So my band fell apart. I'm a, my daughter's about to be born. Like a lot of things are happening. Going. And I literally, I, it's very funny. I thought, well, I can't, 
I can't start another band right now. I'm too old. 25, I'm too old to do this again. <laughs> you know? So I, I thought um, the best thing I can do right now is like figure. And making that record was the first time I'd ever been in any kind of studio or anything. And I kind of was like, and I tell this story a lot, but it's very funny. The, um, the, the, uh, <laughs> we have no engineer, by the way. We've the, lost our engineer. Cool. We, we don't need him. The engineer for the, um, <laughs> for this uh everybody needs an engineer the engineer for this this record that we made you know it was in like a home studio in his shit and it was not like super great but it was good enough you know uh but he 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 would like pull out a pipe every now and then smoke some meth oh god and i was like every time i saw him do it i was like man if this guy can do this job on meth like i'm pretty sure i could do it just like a little drunk and high (laughs) you know like so and i was like and he's making he i mean like not a lot of money but he's made i I think we paid him like you know a couple hundred bucks every time we went out there or something that was good money too for then too it was like 2009 you know or whatever so i started thinking like man i could I could be an engineer. I don't know anything about it. I can make some money. But I could do this job, I think. I just need to like figure it out. And right about that exact same time, I lost my job. The, oh. uh, the company that I work for closed the showroom that I work for and everything. Oh. So my normal job I lost. And I really had no education baby. and nothing really. I had a baby you know, fresh in it. And I was like, man, I got to figure something out. And my girlfriend, um, the mother of my daughter, she was like, let's, let's like maybe move to Phoenix because my family's there. And, um, and then we can have some support and it's still pretty cheap to live there, you Mm -hmm. know, and like we could get a place on our own and, and, um, and, you know, just start and have, and, and be a family and everything. So my daughter's just a couple months old. We, uh, we packed up everything. We moved to Phoenix. And the reason I agreed to it was, uh, I, I Google searched audio schools in Phoenix and the conservatory, and the came, conservatory up. came up and I was like, man, and everybody's saying this is like one of the best schools in the country yeah. to do this at. And uh, and I was like, man, I should I should maybe do that. Like maybe I, I could I could look into the it's GI not Bill. That expensive. Well, yeah. The whole- I, so I looked into the GI Bill and there's a provision for the GI Bill, even though I have the GI Bill and I could have used that. There was another provision called vocational rehab, which is basically yeah, I know what voc rehab is. you have to get uh, for our listeners. Uh, you have to get retrained because whatever you trained for in the military is supposed to be your life. Because you like, were disabled. And I was disabled. Oh, yeah, what were you like, trained for in the military? Was it like HVAC? Or no, killing. Like, no. I was infantry. But was, sometimes, don't they, like, give you another skill? No, it, okay. I, I killed. That was, I was there to kill. <laughs> <You> can- uh, <laughs> That was that was all I ever learned. My dad was I learned a lot of. I learned how to yeah. do demolitions. I learned how to blow stuff up. I learned how to make Fun. stuff. Yeah, I, I was. Um, We're heading into actually, Fourth of July weekend, by the way. It's <laughs> uh, June thirtieth today. Uh, we um, don't blow yourself up this weekend. They also, you know, they, they the, the 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 thing that kind of got me into a little bit more of like engineering was the fact that I'd done a lot of like work with electronics with explosives. You right. know? So I knew a lot about it. I had to like learn a lot of math and stuff right. to like learn how to like detonate charges. Yeah. You know, a mile away, or how to work, how to work remote detonators and shit like that, or how to build your own remote detonator. Do remote detonators have a certain wattage or a certain ohmage? You you do need to. (laughs) So the way you is it like a nine volt? You so you. you have to calculate. It depends on which ones you use. Like, there's an actual like remote detonator that's good up for like two miles, I think, in the military. But they basically, I took some like during my time in the Marines. One of the things I trained with um, Force Recon, which is like the the Navy SEALs of the Marines, basically. Oh, right. awesome. And so I trained with Force Recon, and I um, I was their uh, basically their backup breacher for like any of their like operations. Understudy. Yeah, and. <laughs> 
Um, and because of that, I was like, um, I, I was sent to a lot of real kind of high speed demolitions courses where we learned improvised explosives and how to like, you, how to, how to build the bombs that the Iraqis were using so, against us. So, so, uh, toilet bowl cleaner and like, so, yeah, I've done, I've done the works bomb. Yeah. The works bomb. bomb. What, what is it? It's uh, uh aluminum bleach? foil and, and toilet bowl cleaner. Uh, yeah. the works. You how can do use I know that? I don't know. What's it's like one of those me? like hillbilly things for sure. <laughs> Something's like a, wrong with me that that's, that's, in that's my head. a hillbilly knowledge Boy, thing. You missed some juicy tidbits there. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, I so I went to uh, so I, I went and got this vocational rehab uh, program filled out, and they basically gave me a, a check for my um, for my tuition, which was like at the time I think it was eighteen five was mm-hmm. the it was eighteen thousand five hundred, and then um, and then also I got like seven hundred dollars a month as like a monthly stipend to live God off. God bless, of. dude. And so which Food you know money. not a lot, but enough that Food I money. didn't have to really work while I was going to to school to crass, and that allowed me to invest every single second of my day, which I did. I. I got up every single morning. My classes were like from three to seven or something like that. But I got up every single morning. I babysit my daughter. Babysit. I watched we, my we daughter. Love this I fathered school. I have my a lot daughter. of people that work for me that went to school, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. I'm actually the the chairman I, of their advisory. I course. very much. Did I speak to your class? No, I did not. How uh, did I miss you? Because because East West was not a thing. Like oh, you guys had only been open. Oh right, it hadn't come back for yet. like six months. Right, right. Whenever I yeah, it was like I yeah, didn't come back till 2010. Yeah, so um, so I had uh, I had been, but I did Google. This is I I, I joke. I, my whole entire success in this industry has been <laughs> hinged on two really good Google searches, <laughs> which was the first one, which took me to the conservatory, and the second one, which um, I I. I found East West and I looked it up and I was like, why is nobody asking? Everybody's talking about, oh, I want to go to Conway or NRG or I want to go to, you know, Sunset Sound or the, you know, the uh, record plan. Or yeah. like, they're talking, but no one had said East West. And I went to the internship coordinator. I was like, what's up with East West? He's like, oh, well, we got a great relationship with them, uh, but they don't take anybody unless unless they need somebody. They don't just take interns. They, they, you have to, they have to have an opening for someone to come and work there. And so I just kept asking the whole time I asked and I asked and I asked every, the whole time I was there, I worked my ass off, you know, but as you, you like know. But you like the history of the studio or what? Yeah, yeah, done? I loved the history of the studio. I thought yeah. it was amazing. I looked, and I, I also saw, it was like, uh, you know, legendary stuff had been done here. But again, no one was really talking yeah, about listener, it. Yeah, dear listener, we're sitting in Studio 3 at East West Studios the at 6000 Sunset. The beside Pet Frank room. Sinatra's piano. Yeah, it, we're, uh, we're just, we're, we're not jaded. We're actually great. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we're impressed. So I, and, and, the, and the pictures, the website, you know, it's like I looked up the website and it's like the guitar desk. And I'm like, oh my God, it's just so amazing. <laughs> if you haven't ever looked up the East West Studios website, you should. The pictures on there, still the same pictures from whenever I started, you know, yeah. like, but beautiful. Actually, no, Brendan did some new ones, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, Anyway, but good pictures. Um, so I asked and I asked and I asked and they and they kept. Who was the me coordinator no. then? Was it Greg, Greg Steffes? Yeah, Greg. And, oh, yeah. Um, and I kept I kept bugging him every single time. And he's like, "Look, man, I'll tell you if they ever get in a." The day I finished school, the day I graduated from Crass, the last day of school, Greg came over and I see, see his head in the little windows, you know, the school window <laughs> thing, you know, on yeah, yeah. the door. And I see his head and he like looks in, he taps and he like points at me. He's like, and I go out in the hallway and he said. Um, one of the uh, assistants at East West just put in their two-week notice. They're looking for somebody new. If you can be I- I- in Hollywood on Monday, and it's oh, like wow. a Friday, you oh, know, wow. if you be in Hollywood I'm on tough. Monday, watch out. Uh, you can you can interview. Uh, they'll 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 interview you. And I was like, oh shit. Well, yeah. Is that yeah. 2010, 2011? 
it, it was February of 2010. Oh, wow. I had just returned. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, you just, it was like fresh. Wow, you know? yeah. And I came and- um, Me and Blake. Yeah, you and Blake interviewed me. Um, Actually, very funny, I'll never forget this. I kind of knew I was going to the right place before I even got here. I knew nothing about you. I knew nothing about the studio other than what the internet had on it, which was very limited, you know, because yeah. I didn't even have a Wikipedia page at the time. Yeah, you know? that's right, we didn't have and, um, and, uh Blake called me Monday morning. I was supposed to be in, or no, Cat called me Monday morning. Illustrious Cat Primo, who I love very yeah, much. Yeah. We love she Kat. called me Monday morning, and she we have said, a new cat. Oh, really? We have an intern named Cat. Uh, yeah, so, From Crass. So she called me Monday morning, <laughs> about an hour before I was supposed to come in, and she said, "Hey, um, I know you're supposed to come in for this interview today, but um, Candace is a bit hungover, and she doesn't really want to do it." <laughs> She's just so straight with me. She's like, Candace is a little hungover, doesn't want to do it. And I was like, okay. Uh, she's like, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, like yeah. And I thought, you know, it was a Grammy, it was Grammy weekend. Oh, God. You know? Oh, well, see, that's my defense, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was networking. Yeah. Okay. You were doing your job. I was doing my so, job. <laughs> so um, so I came in Tuesday morning and um, and we, you interviewed me and you were uh, very cool. I, 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 I love this story because you... You took me in to meet Greg Fiddleman and the Chili Peppers were in there. Oh. And you said in there, like, this is Will. We really like him. We think he might, you know, be joining us. Just wanted to show him around and everything. You know? And uh, then we went upstairs and we were in the VIP outside upstairs, yeah. you know, because you were just showing me the whole building. And we were upstairs and, and you were like, look, the only question I have is, uh, you know, your military background. People here, um, people do a lot of drugs here. <laughs> And you need to be okay with that. Is that is that cool? And, <laughs> I said that. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds like something I would say. Yeah. And I was like, all right, don't seem too cool with this drug situation. <laughs> yeah, because like, I don't you know, really know what she. Yeah. I don't want to be like, yes, we, we. I get we, high you know? on the job. Yeah. yeah. So um. So yeah, but um. I and then this is a side of the story that you do not know, and I I don't tell this part very often, but I got done with the interview and I left and I was feeling real good. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go get drunk. <laughs> I'm going to go down to Venice and get my marijuana license. Nice. You know, because uh, that's where I knew you could go is go down and to see the doctor on the Venice boardwalk. Oh, or whatever. God, that's funny. Yeah, which is another story on its own. <laughs> so I go down there and I, I get my license. I go to the closest weed store and I buy some weed and I get ridiculously stoned to the point where I forgot where I was. <laughs> Right, like I was like, where the hell am I? Like, not like what. If you like, personal, I if didn't you want know to come work anywhere. Me, if you want to convert me, I do need to tell you, don't get to that phase until you're already like, yeah, assisting. Yes, first get thing. to like a level. <laughs> be responsible first. Yeah. So um, so uh, and at and at that moment, while I am ridiculously stoned, did I call you? You called me, <laughs> and I answered the phone, and I. Uh, and you were like, hey, we really liked having you. Um, you. You know, we think you'd be a good fit here. We're really looking for somebody to, like, get things organized and be the military thing that you are and everything. Uh, you know, it's like, can you start tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I hung up the phone and I was like, who is that? Who the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and I oh, had to go into my emails and I was like, I think she said Candace. And I like went into my emails. I was like, right, Candace. Yeah. She offered me a job. Cool. All right. Yes, I got a job at East West. <laughs> and I was so stoked. And um and I um and I did I, I so it was my it was just my internship at first, you know, because yeah, I was yeah. still a cr crassing. I had to do my internship. Yeah. And um 
And uh, I, I was staying with a friend at the time in in uh, Hollywood. He had a place right there on uh, on uh, Melrose and um, Melrose and La Brea. Where he oh, had an close. apartment, so it was super close. I crashed on his couch for a month while I did my internship. And then at the end of the internship, I actually finished it so fast, you and did. I didn't want to tell y'all that I was done as fast as I was. <laughs> so I just kept working for free for like another I don't two do weeks. That. I try not to do that. I know, but I was afraid, like, because I was still reeling off of the incident, you know. <laughs> so I was afraid the I had file cabinet yeah. incident. <laughs> for those that don't know, I did some real damage to East West by accident. I dropped a filing cabinet down the stairs. It really fucked the stairs up a whole bunch. Uh, <laughs> And like, I felt like, I felt like, oh, I hadn't really overcome this fuck up yet. So I better like play it out a few more weeks, do a few more things, Uh, do a few more things to like make this place look nice or whatever. So, um, he more than made up for it, took responsibility. And this is the one thing I think that's different from a lot of people, the Gen Zers or the whatever. I don't even know what, what generation are we in now? I don't don't even understand. It's are we started on like, you know, exclamation marks instead of numbers. I mean, but, uh, but you took responsibility for it and you actually paid to repair it, which to this day I was willing to pay for the supplies. I know. No, you told me that. And I was like, nope, nobody, nobody pays for my fuck ups, but me. Yeah. I pay for my fuck ups. You know what? Listen to um, that. Those people listening to this, be like that. Be accountable. Yeah. I, I owned it. I, I, you know, I remember, um, Gary, the tech at the time, yeah. Gary, he said, oh, yeah, you, so you know how to fix uh, Ardex or whatever the hell this is? Yeah, you know? it's like a plastic yeah, putty yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's like, you know how to do this? And I was like, yeah, of course, man. I've done plenty of projects like this. No you know? way. You and didn't I, know. I had no idea. I got on Google and I Googled it and I like, <laughs> and I, like went and got the shit from Compton. You had to go to this like <laughs> business in Compton to get the shit. And it was like, and I could do that. But I fixed the whole thing. You did. And, um, and, and I- You still I, can't see where it was done now. Yeah. Um. Well, I can, but you know that's different. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I did the, um, I did, I, I did that internship, and we got done, and um, I, and you guys hired me, and uh, I had made a deal with my girlfriend because I'd left my my girlfriend and my daughter back in Phoenix, and yeah. I told her I'm going out here for this internship. It's a big opportunity. If if I don't get hired at the end of the internship, I'll come back, you know. And then uh, I did the internship, and then you guys hired me, and I said okay. If I'm not an assistant in six months, which is fast, That's you know, fast. Uh, if but, I'm not an assistant in six months, then I will come back. I'll quit and I'll come back. Oh, wow. I feel and, bad now that I destroyed your your marriage. Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you and me. We did it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Team, teamwork <laughs> is dream work. Uh, so, um, and... and uh, and you you made me uh, so I got hired after and about a like month. Headrunner. You made me the staff manager at um at at, uh, at about three weeks after that I think yeah after I was uh, hired, yeah. and then I wanted you to kick some ass on the, yeah and about about a month after that I started thirding on sessions yeah. And I knew like yeah, this you were is good. Really, you rose up really quickly. I I was an assistant in four months. Wow, you know, you rose like up really I was quickly. still doing some like head runner bullshit, but I wasn't going on any runs anymore. Yeah, and everybody kind of bridges that gap for a minute. Yeah, uh, but it, it was, I didn't know that that first session that you did was, was with John Greg Bryan. Kohler. Yeah, and John, John Bryan, Greg Kohler. That was my first like. So I had been Who helping. Who was the artist? It was it was John mostly. He okay, was doing he was doing this is forty um, oh, soundtrack yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so, um, I love that movie. yeah, so, um, 
it, it, that was like that was literally like maybe that was like three months into wow. me working here and it, and i was immediately but there's people also, that are here now that have been running for a year and a half I yeah feel bad. Uh, yeah for sure and and that happens and though but great. it's also like it's not just a, it's not just a knowledge thing it's also a maturity thing it's a it's, well and you know, it's, it's the like, timing of people leaving yeah yeah oh yeah of course and i actually hit it a very good time because there wasn't it was brendan brendan started the same day as me as oh, an assistant, he was hired on as an assistant. I was uh, as an intern or whatever. Khan um, came shortly uh, after. Khan was much later, actually. Okay. Khan was much later. Keith came about a couple months after I'd been here. Yeah. Um, Keith's my assistant. He's our recordist today. Uh, Thank you, Keith. Uh, David Davis <laughs> started around the same time. There was a lot of people around, but it was also, there. Was, this was the time frame. One of the things that benefited me greatly at the time that I came was the reason I got hired here, uh, like one of the, what you were looking for me as a person was there was a lot of guys that were like, and no, no hate to Chris Souza. He's a great dude and I love him. But yeah, he had want to be an no engineer. interest in being an engineer at the time. Yeah, he and was I don't just, want, I, that's not, that doesn't actually work for me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you. I was clear. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like so, there was a lot of that, and a lot of those guys upon Andy seeing Ford. me, Andy Masters now, yeah, and, yeah Masters, yeah. Uh, a lot of those guys upon seeing me succeed so fast after being here longer than me didn't like you. Yeah, they didn't like me, but also they got frustrated and quit. You yeah. know, so yeah. it was like the path opened up for me to be the next person yeah. in line, and um, and also. I cheated. Like I tell people this all the time, but I cheated my way into those early days. Like I would be working a running shift, say from eight to four or whatever. Yeah. And I would, uh, I would see Jeremy in studio one working yeah. on something. And back then it was very common for the assistant to run pro tools, you know, yeah. while it was a session. Yeah. And so I'd see him having to run pro tools and I'd be like, Hey man, if you want, I would go, you know, after Help. I was done, if you want, I'll come in, I get done at four, I'll stay and just help you, uh, you know, take food orders, whatever bullshit you need. Right. And Jeremy was so overworked. He was so grateful to have somebody that was like <laughs> willing to just put in extra time. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, very quickly it started being like, oh, well, Jeremy's busy on this one. Who should it. we put on this? And then Jeremy be like, well, Will was in there, you know, on the last time we did it. He right. knows what's he knows going what on. Yeah. Just have him do it. And I started... You know, I mean, I learned really fast, but I started just getting put on all sorts of sessions all the time, and and just, you know, it, I I had I had great people in Jeremy and Brendan that I could ask at any yeah. time, uh, you know, and they were two polar opposites, which is my favorite thing. Yeah, Jeremy is cares so much he literally gets an ulcer from like worried. being so worried, yeah, and Brendan literally being like, eh, I don't care. But he's a really good engineer. But he's a really good engineer. Yeah, yeah. And they're both really good in yeah. different ways, you yeah. know? So it was like, I had that middle ground of like, I care, but also fuck you. I'm not going to freak you. out. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to freak out. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I just, um, I blossomed here and I was assisting so, so regularly. So I, I basically, joke that I'm I, training my future clients. Yes, which is and it's, it's a, a great model. It's you actually are, worked out. You're, you, I would say your greatest talent in this industry is recognizing, two things, is recognizing who should be with who, who yeah. in the sessions because that's a that's a success that's a on its own thing. thing yeah it's like value. absolutely you do not put you not put somebody nervous with somebody aggressive you yeah. know like you don't you pair people with but also um the other thing is you you recognize when when people have it you know when yeah. when they really have it and you you feed I them I want to nurture it you and Blake Blake actually admitted to me one time while we were at the canteen drinking 
that no that <laughs> that they he was purposely putting me on shitty sessions because he knew I wouldn't complain and that I would get the job done. Oh yeah, done. well that's a thing too. And it you was know, like, we don't always have the luxury of everything being fun. Yeah. You know. And so there was a lot of fun. like I mean, I was on the session where uh where where the tech almost I don't care fought. what you say. Yeah, I was on the session where Frankie Perez and Fred almost got into a fist fight in the oh, hallway. Oh, dude, Frankie Perez. Now, interesting story of just crazy stuff with Frankie Perez. Yeah, yeah, but it was a wild, I mean, it was a wild session. We were using all this stuff, and, like, him and Fred are literally screaming at each other oh, in the God. session. And I had to text you and be like, Candace, get Fred. Get Fred now, please. I got to fucking fix this session. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And so it was like, um, you know, we. I, I definitely had some of the during that time period, some of the toughest sessions. For those of you who don't understand what's really going on, besides what's happening technically on a session and artistically with an artist, obviously the personality thing, you're in a small space with somebody for like 14 hours. Yes. And sometimes under a great deal of pressure, you know, again, Will having had a military background, no one's going to die, yeah. even though people act like they're going to die. Somebody might die, but it might be at my hands. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> nobody's going to die. But a but a dream could die, or a song could yeah. die, yeah. Or, a, or a vibe could die. And make no mistake, <laughs> like, die. during this time period, I was... Uh, I mean, I took I took assisting very serious, and I was militant. Now I was high, but I was yeah. definitely I militant. I try to discourage people being high while working because most people are too stupid, right, to carry it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and to pull it off. And I and I definitely like you know. I don't. I don't. I always say to the staff now. I don't care what you do when you're not here. There was. But the reason I discourage pot smoking is not because I don't smoke pot. It's because. I don't think there's a lot of people that smoke pot and they're and they fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like also, <laughs> they don't hyper focus like we do. Yeah. 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 There's a difference <laughs> in that. Like damn near pot's damn near medication for me. I'm too intense most of the yeah. time. Not anymore. I've calmed down Same a lot over husband. the years. But at that time I was too intense. Like uh, well, Chaz. Let's talk about the pain relief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that was a big part of it, too. But uh, Chaz still shows me this email every now and then that like when he first started and I sent out like a group email to everybody that was like, whichever one of you motherfuckers, <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> I was so tough on every because I saw my success as an assistant relied on the runners doing their job. What it does. And so if you fail me as a runner, yeah. I am going to just tear See, you down I, we've as a been person. talking about this lately the current crew everybody's great the current crew is great everybody's cool but there's not enough of the senior assistants and, and again there's this fine line we talked earlier about will getting hazed in the military there's a fine line between abuse and hazing okay right. i don't want anybody punching anybody or anything like that but i do want people to hold each other accountable and go look motherfucker you screwed me last right. night right you know you fucking took my mic that I'd already reserved or whatever yeah. and like, fuck you. Where's my shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's healthy. I always tell the staff, like, text each other, hold each other accountable. I don't need to know about your petty squabbles. Yeah, yeah, You know, figure your shit out. Well, and there was certainly a thing. Uh, I, I, from my time in the military, I, I talked about this on another podcast recently, but in my time in the military, like, you... We were all the same rank. We all came in at the same time. Like all of my, like a huge part of my company was all fresh because we had been dropped in because we were all going to Iraq. So it was like we all came fresh in with them. Like yeah, it's like like a huge. So uh, so a lot of times I was in charge of people who were the same rank as me, the same age as me, the same everything. Resentment builds. And if you're in that situation, you have to immediately take charge and man up and be tough and and 
assert your dominance on people. Yeah. And so awesome. I came into this situation with a bunch of people who had been here for a while and everything as runners. And I was not afraid to assert my dominance over everybody <laughs> and be like, no. Well, it's kind of common knowledge amongst the staff now. Will's a, a client all the time now. And I call him for sessions last night. He has a session in about 20 minutes. But we, he, he's, he's very reliable. He doesn't let me down. He's never chooched a session. You know, it's never gone off rails because I, of Will. I say this all the time. I, I have never failed on a session. You have never failed a session. I have a 100% success yeah, well, rate. And, I and, have we're not, and we're not cocky about it. We're, we're happy no, about people it. People are always like, knock on wood. And, no, dude, I, I work hard. Yeah, yeah, I do, work do hard. The job. There's no such thing as failure in this industry to yeah, me. Like, the there's job. no such thing and, as like And in my position as the manager, if something fails technically that can't be fixed in 15 minutes between the tech or whatever... You know, stuff happens. It's old gear. Yeah. Stuff breaks. Work around it. If you can't absolutely well, can't work around that's it. That's always been, I mean, when I started here, I tell people this a lot. When I started here, Studio 3 was a mess. Yeah, you it's know, nice It was now. a mess. It's a good studio Lawrence now. Lawrence is amazing. But it was a mess when I started here. And and there were so many problems. And, and I, one of my, the reasons that I didn't fail in this room is because something would happen on a session. And I would get done with that session for the day. I'd be like, find a way to get around it for the time being, and then or whatever. figure out what it was. And then I would put hours after I got off the God clock, bless you, dude. hours into fixing something, moving something like this. The gear in this room being in sequential order is because I did. When I came here, it was just randomly placed all over the place, you know? And now you can go over there and you can look and it's like, okay, 26, 27, 28, 29. As the outboard gear pieces go up, well, they're people, numbered properly and, and people everything. people that have come after you, and Lawrence in a big part, people have come after you, and I have a good crew right now where people are actually helping organize. You know, right. the building's 100 years old. It's been it's a, a studio of, for six no, it's years. A lot, a lot of, of gear. You know, it, and, and, it's and in ongoing. fairness, when I was here, it had just reopened. So yeah, it was yeah. still fresh. And, and like, for me, this was like the death day. trap room, dude. It was like, <laughs> I love Studio 3. I do too. I, it's one of my favorite rooms yeah, in the entire too. world. Me but, too. but when it was, it's, you know, there it was like, this is a. Yeah, no, any room that's done together is a nightmare. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a, what you know I mean? and, and that's like, why. Like, if you can't trace what's wrong in five minutes, something's probably yeah. really wrong. I, I remember there was one time I pulled out four 24 channel snakes from underneath the console <laughs> that were not going anywhere oh god they were just in the Hanging trough out. underneath Hanging the console out. just down there and somebody oh, wow. had just like brought one in and left it in there brought oh, one in and left. Yeah. so i just like i mean i did a ton of work in, in this room because i didn't want to fail it embarrassed me of course when somebody it looked should. and it still does to this day even though i me. have not worked here as as a staff member since 2014 yeah i was gonna say about eight it's years. been almost yeah it's been it's nine been years. nine years wow and uh i still to this day if somebody says something like this happened recently where one of my engineer friends said he had been having a bad experience and i i went out of my way to make sure both that he knows that that's not common and he just got a, a had a bad situation right, right, right. Like yes, that yes, happens. yes 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 he, he both that he and also to make sure that you were aware of it so yeah, that, that Lawrence could be aware. Yeah, so that this does not happen again I'm to him specifically. And and like I, I take Dude, personal a big offense. Deal. Yeah, I take personal offense when somebody says East West isn't the best. Because to me, uh uh when somebody says Abbey Road's the most, you know, best studio in the world, I'm like, no, it isn't. East West is the best studio in the world. I will yes. fight to the to the death. Booyah. I will fight to the death that <laughs> this is the five. best studio. This is this is to me. We should find out the Latin word for East West Studios is the <laughs> best. 
<laughs> tattoo it on all the yeah, fucking yeah, staff yeah. members. Well, no, I'm so grateful for you and your attitude. And you don't know all the people that came before you when this was cello, but there were a lot of people that had the same, you know, the people that have the mindset that you have, those are the people that really excel and end up doing things that they love. Yeah. You know, Ryan Hewitt, kick-ass guy. Love Ryan. Yeah, you know, love Ryan. Great guy. You never really knew Jerry Finn, but I a wish. client here. I wish, you know. Uh, just a lot of people. Darren Morrow's great. Just a lot of people I've worked with, a lot of assistants over the years and engineers over the years. Well, Greg Fiddleman, when I first met him, was a Pro Tools operator. And now I think he, I mean, I've always thought he was a great engineer. But I, I think he's amazing. Dave I, Schiffman, a lot I, of people. I've been very lucky because also those formative years of me working here as an assistant. We were doing cool sessions. We were doing great sessions all yeah. the time. And um, and and a lot of those guys that you're just naming yeah. were the guys that were teaching me how to be an engineer yeah. while I was assisting them and like learning that stuff. And the, the number one line through all these names that you could say like every single one of those people that you just met in addition to robert carranza and oh, Jim oh Scott, i love so much and yeah. and um uh and uh, uh so many people yeah yeah so so many people the number one thing that i learned from those people billy bush is another oh, great one so dude they they are cool under pressure oh yeah they Grace don't lose fire. their shit yeah they are they they service the music and they and so what i was learning from them this is, is good like, ego training having come from all the shit that you went through including the psychedelic phase where you're <laughs> you're busting the ego you still got to be alpha you still got to take charge but it isn't about you yeah, it's, it's about not about music. me it's about yeah. the music it's about doing it right yeah. and that's the biggest thing that i can imagine like like learning from especially i mean i i i, I constantly praise robert carranza every he's a fine, because fine ridiculous engineer he's a ridiculously good engineer yeah. but also Robert's the type of person that would never be like, "Hey man, can you go close the back studio door?" He would get up and go fucking yeah, do it. Yeah, he's a good guy. He he's never the type of person to send somebody off to go do some bullshit that he wouldn't personally do himself. Yeah. And and also, I have seen full band meltdowns around him and him be like, "Guys, we're making music. Like chill out. Like let's all like let's figure it out." And and like nothing nothing that you can say it's to impossible him is to ever, get mad at him bro, it is because impossible. he's such a nice guy he is the best human being yeah he's and, a good human and honestly like like i only get to see him like once a year for seven Dude, minutes I get so at a time. excited when he in the room we're sitting in in the room we're sitting in they came in and I, I guess it was him and tyler and they did a bunch of songs for the new john wick four right and he's like oh you're gonna love it you're gonna love it and i went and saw the movie in a theater and i it was so great. I love it when I go see a movie and I can hear the music yeah. and it was done here. Yeah. I love that. I do. I'm, I'm honestly, he's, he's one of the people that I wish, I, you know, he's, he's so humble about everything. So good, he told me a story one time, you know, a kid, like a, a, a 14 year old kid or something looked up who made his favorite record and sat outside Robert's studio for like six hours with his Aww. parents waiting to see Robert Aww. just to have a conversation with him. And Robert said he was super busy. It was like a whole thing. But he was like, yeah, you know, like I, I brought him in, had him sit down, showed him. Aww. And like, he's that type of guy that like literally, he's yeah. so humble about who he is and so kind and such a good soul. And like so many times when I've been lost in this industry, when I've been like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like, I feel like I need to give up or quit or whatever. Robert's the person who talked me off the ledge and been like, bro, you're a great engineer. Yeah. Like he even said to me one time, which is not true, but he said, you are as good of an engineer as I am. You're just different. And, and you have no reason to not be That's in this industry. And I was like, 
I'm not. Thanks for saying that. You are a <laughs> god among men. Well, see, but, but now what he's done is theoretically created a situation where you can't quit because you'd be letting him down. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the psychology that I love. It's yeah. like, no, be, do, go do yeah. good stuff. Yeah. So I've, I, I trace a lot of my, um, all of my success is coming from being in this building. Even, even just recently Trade this, secrets. did the killer Mike, <laughs> killer Mike album here. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a phone call. That was a, we need somebody last minute. You called me or, or in the morning or something. Yeah. It was like, Hey, they're trying to do a session today. Can you, can you engineer nice people and um and i came in and this is the um the really cool thing about our relationship is that it is it is symbiotic in many ways <laughs> uh you you call me in for these sessions but when i'm here working on these sessions i'm absolutely telling these people yeah, you're like, promoting the studio this is the, oh i love this studio it's one of the best in yeah. the world it's so great like yeah and that killer mike session went from being a single day that they booked to we can't work anywhere else no. because you're here and you like it here <laughs> and we like it here because yeah. it's a great place. So, uh, we're going to do it here. We're, we're going to, that turned into a six month, you know, yeah, that's great. booking. Dude, IDK. I mean, a lot of stuff. And for those of you listening, you know, it's not, you know, yes, you're out there to make contacts. Yes. You're out there to propel your career. But if you're not working in tandem with the studio manager that you're working with, and as a studio manager, if you don't see the value of that re symbiotic relationship that Will is talking about, you're missing the point. Yeah. Because the truth is, you know, there's plenty of people I can call to do sessions. Yeah. You know, yeah, but absolutely. not but not a lot of people that I have full confidence in that, that have back to the have your back. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. And yeah, it, I'm it never, works both you know, ways. there's there's that thing, you know, and I've seen this before as 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 an assistant here yeah. where something goes wrong and and they're like, they throw the studio the under the bus. Studio, man, it's the studio. Yeah, There's yeah. shit here and blah blah blah. Yeah. They're so bad. But when something bad happens here, I'm like, hey man, you know, it's an old building. There's lots of old gear. You well, know what happens? Most, like, you know, like most, oh, let me get around it and we'll fix it. You and know? most of the producers and engineers that come in here, or most of the producers that come in here, even some of the artists. Uh, even if they've never been here, if you think that doing that makes you look good, you're an idiot. Yeah. Because it doesn't make you look good. It makes you, not only does it make you look disloyal, it makes you look like, well, why don't I mean, you make it? Why don't you fix it? Yeah, why don't you, engineer, yeah, why don't you, yeah. engineer, right? You're an engineer. Yeah, why, That's don't, what you, you, why yeah, don't you fix it? I feel that way all the time. It's like, <laughs> it's that, you know, the bad craftsman blames the tools situation yes yes it's yes like, yes I, I look at it's these a poor carpenter that blames the tool yes exactly and so it's like you you're gonna say something bad about being you know what because thousands of records have been made in this amazing records hello you're the one that can't do it yeah you're and i had i i told this story before on a, another podcast just recently because um i remember there was a there was a, a well-known keyboard player producer guy who came in here one time and he was, um, we were in studio two and he started talking about uh, the Fairchild in studio two. He said, oh, well my Fairchild at home, I've done this and it's, and it sounds just so much better than, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ridiculous. And like, it's not very good, blah, blah. You're like, you're bitching about a $40,000 compressor. And I, I remember this was the origin of this moment in my head where I finally learned this, this process, which was, I was like, oh, are, are you not good enough to do it Without, without your Fairchild, fair <laughs> you, you you needed your Fairchild, or else it's not going to be good, you know. And I started turning it I around. I need my on special people. pick. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what your secret to success is. That's what you have to have in order to succeed. Because yeah. honestly, man, sounds like 
Sounds like you're trash. Sounds like you're not very yeah, good like at your job. Just, yeah, it sounds like you're not owning up. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna ra- we're wrapping up now. Dude, it's always so good to talk to you. I love you so much. This is a funny thing. Is this is what we just do. We just sit and talk about <laughs> stuff like this. Is just yeah, yeah. This is just Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and, but- and I'm I'm hoping to finally get this thing up and on the air. But I'm trying to talk to people, and it, it's so great to talk to you. But I'm trying to talk to people, not just people that worked at East West or make me or East West look good, but people that like um, I'm talking to contractors. I'm talking to musicians. I'm talking to people that do all kinds of different things in the music industry because it really takes a village. It does. You know? It's a big process. You know, yeah. I, uh, just it's a, a community. Little side note. I've been watching this show, uh, The Idol, on uh, HBO. Yeah. And, and it's very funny because I think a lot of people Whose look daughter at- daughter's on that show? It's Johnny Depp's daughter. Yeah. It's Lily Rose Depp. Yeah. She's amazingly That's beautiful. That's it. Um, so they- You know, um, Johnny's been here a few times. Yeah, I had to pull yeah, him off the yeah, horse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he, I think, I think a lot of people look at this show and they're like, this is unrealistic, but it's like, no, this is really how it is. There is like a bunch of people like this in the industry that are like, you know, making decisions and everybody has a team and there's a lot of things that go in. It is, it's one of my biggest, uh, projects that I'm working on is building the, um, the the, network, well, building the, uh, the public zeitgeist knowledge of of uh don't give away the secrets my thing's called trade secrets no, it stays it, in here no but it's like <laughs> we don't you know it's like if you know about if you know about engineering you know mix engineers you don't even yeah. know nobody in the world why do people not understand how important tracking, tracking is? is it's the most oh important my god it's thing. the most important you start the sounds it's your <laughs> sounds like the mixer can't even come close to touching anything if you have not already put that in place so i'm trying to build the profile of engineering and trying to build the profile how of people knowing what and how important it is because i'm a champion because we've lost a lot of this in oh, our current yeah. in i'm our a current champion day. of engineers in general and people yes the analogy being you don't get on a plane without a pilot yes okay so those Dude, of you, your, your mixer isn't even like the pilot. He's, he's like down the road, babe. He's like the stewardess. <laughs> yeah, he's down the road. Yeah, he's down the road. He's just keeping you happy. Yeah, he's at hanging the end. in the airport lounge. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, thank well, you. the heavy lifting is happening. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, thank you so much. I'm gonna plug oh, some so of my fun. stuff. Uh, I have. Yeah, plug your stuff. If you are interested in more of my stuff, I do uh, my own podcast called That Sounds About Right. It's oh, with like um, my friend Shane Lance. It's actually. We, we recorded here as well uh, <laughs> because it looks nice, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- we have um, we have like seven or eight episodes up right now that that are. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be all ten episodes up for this this first season that we're doing. I also uh, I'm on TikTok. I am the TikTok engineer. Uh, I'm probably <laughs> Will Onsbach, the, William yeah, Jay Onsbach, I, I, the I, TikTok engineer. I have a very big uh, following. You can find me at uh, Greasy Will Music. G R E A Z Y w i l music um also on instagram greasy will g-r-e-a-z-y-w-i-l greasy where's it come from pharrell pharrell oh, pharrell right. coined Gre- well vic mensa really it okay pharrell's mouth first and then vic being like no Dude, you're, I love pharrell. you're greasy he rode so. a bike he was riding a bike up and down the hallway i loved him yeah so i like polite. pharrell he's Call very me ma'am. also he refuses to age you know Dude, the skin it's what is the skin program there anyway <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can find me on social media. You can find me on the internet. I'm I, not on social media I, at all. I regularly <laughs> post, and I talk a lot about engineering on my stuff, yeah. but more about the ethos and the philosophies mm. of things because I don't 
I don't think it's beneficial ever to, to talk get about. To and nerdy. Yeah, it's like there's so well, many guys. Was a, it was a quarter of a DB there's difference. There's so many guys on the internet being like, <laughs> ah. this is how you EQ your vocals and this is how you do that. No. I don't get into that because I don't think that's even like relevant. I think every vocal's different. Everything's or different. Or I aligned the tape machine and it stayed in this alignment for a year. First of all, if anybody knows anything about tape machines, no, you have to realign it every time you put every a new time. reel on yeah. it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I'm definitely out there. If y'all are ever interested in seeing me, I have a lot of projects in the fire that I, like I said, I'm trying to raise the profile of engineering. Yeah. I someday have a dream of trying, all the things that I'm doing are trying to eventually build a union for engineers. Yes, because we, it's we the talked one about thing that yesterday, actually. That's critically underserved. And yeah. the fact that we cannot, uh, we don't get credit, there, we don't get anything. There, like there is a there is a union on the film side of right. things. Um which is the IATSE union. And for the experience that you have, for example, to give you perspective on the stuff that you've worked on, you could go in as what's called a Y1, right. which is a you know, Y1 film mixer. And you get top dollar and you get on the list and you get called. You know, in film mixing, I mean, film tracking, all the above, recording music in general is super important. So just do it right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I mean, the through but line the, of everything would be is, good. Is, is, you know, is we want to get, we want to we want to build the profile so that people but care about it. Could the studio it, managers know? be in the in the in the I union think, too? I think. I mean, I don't have any <laughs> rules yet. You know, it's like I'm, I you know I, I say it all the time. I'm not an organizer. I am. That's not. He's very organized. No, I'm not an organizer. I I, I, I am organized on on engineering because I think that's what makes you good. You yeah. know, as being. But I don't. I, I'm not an organizer in the sense of like. Uh, You're not you know, an activist. I, I am, <laughs> but I'm a talker activist. I'm gonna give a speech. But then I need somebody who to answer phones. That's like and me. Like do I all rally stuff, the so. spirit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm so much more. Uh. You know. Like stand in front of the crowd and shake my fist thing. Then I will be anything and else. Then, so. And then we go and we get the coffee. And yeah. we go have our coffee. And then I get drunk. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. I'm Candace Stewart, your host. Thank you, Will, so much for being here. Thank you, people, for listening. And hopefully you'll be listening to this soon because I'm actually going to figure out how to upload my episode to yeah. get them onto the air. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you, Keith Munson, our recordist. We love you. 